Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, welcome everyone to the spotlight here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by Steven Jensen. Jensen, I see the Stardust mask in the background. You hang it up like it's it's like a banner last after last week's show yeah it's like when you uh retire like a football jersey in an arena yeah it's kind of uh <laughs> that's kind of what's going on actually what, what legitimately happened is you know i have all these like ufc like mini posters all framed and the i i backed this into one of them on accident and like broke the frame so there's just this big gap in my wall and so i was like you know what i'll throw you know, we got Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back soon. I've got my signed Steve Austin plaque, WrestleMania 14 piece of the canvas there, and then a little Stardust tribute. So um, some some relevant topics in the world of wrestling. I might keep changing it up too. I, mean, I might use a space behind me as like a, uh, just like puts different stuff behind me for a little while just to, to see if it pops anybody. So Hall of Fame message, always, JJ. Yes, exactly. Yes, always good about uh, popping the boys. That's what, that's what we're all about, right? See, me, I have nothing. I just have plain white walls like the macklemore shit <laughs> a fan back there even when i do do this show from other areas it's always just plain white walls in the background at some point i'll have like an actual office set up and i'll have all my funko pops and, and everything behind me so people can see what i'm all about until then white walls i've got all my funko pops behind the camera so they're all <laughs> like man yeah, one day i'll do like a room tour it's a very small room that i'm sitting in but like i'm just surrounded by wrestling memorabilia like all over the place see a lot everyone has like cool setups mine is just here we go here's jeremy's trapped in his uh insane asylum with the white walls and everything you need the straight jacket <laughs> trying to break out of it it's like your uh the the um i don't know what you call it your vignette of uh breaking out of yeah, the pl- yeah. playground the playground breakout yes the the cold open for that one <laughs> uh guys guys send your super chats and your humper chats you can go to humperchats.com super chats right here on youtube get your question comment statement read on the air like our pal jj jj says hello my favorite big star king of the indies watcher hope y'all are doing well my spotlight was no surrender tremendous show love you both we will talk a little bit of of, of no surrender i know jensen did the review with denise salcedo after the show on yep. on saturday but i got a little bit of no surrender that i would like to talk about as well uh we'll get into that but we are going to start 
with, I think, one of the best promos I've, I've ever seen, honestly. Edge's open challenge on Raw, Stephen oh. Jensen. <laughs> what a promo this Man, you swerved me. I thought you were about to say something else. <laughs> we are going to talk about both of these promos today, aren't we? Or was that not uh, a... Yeah, that was your... Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. Get to all well, that. We are going to start with MJF's promo last night. I didn't know where this man was going at, at the start of it. I was worried where he was going at, at the start of it because I thought he was just going to rehash, oh, CM Punk quit. Like <laughs> He kind of did that in Cleveland. Like That was kind of the, the Cleveland promo. It was like, you're a quitter. Like, all right, I get that. But when he went personal and told how, like, I wanted to be a wrestler, like, that was not just another day for me. You made me want to be a wrestler, and then you quit, and so I quit. And then I saw that photo, and I was not going to – I was not going to give up on my dreams. And then I came back, so I'm going to be better than you in spite of you. Oh, man, just A-plus stuff from MJF. The emotion he conveyed with this whole thing. I love punk coming out afterwards and being like, is this true? And he's like, yeah, it's true. And like, he got a tear going and everything. They turned him babyface with this promo. I, I don't know about you, but I thought MJF total babyface after this promo. Dude, I love this. So, so this was my AEW spotlight this week was the MJF promo from last night. And um, so I've seen him cut pretty much this exact promo before in Southern Underground Pro. Y'all can find that on IWTV. Um, there, it was years back, <clears throat> but he had this injury. He came out on crutches, and the guy who runs up or, or used to, Righteous Jesse, uh, Jesse Butler, he was in the ring. And now what took this promo to the, to the next level on AEW last night, in my opinion, versus what I've seen him do previously with like similar material, is the added layer of the CM Punk story. That that because that's the side of this that I think makes it even better right now is like he can link it all to because like I've heard him tell that story before about being in school and having kids call him Jew boy and throw quarters at him and call him like a lot of like really 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 hurtful stuff and I am Jewish I, you know and so growing up I actually went through some similar stuff like you know with people making fun of me for for my religion when I was a kid and stuff and so like. So I so but going back to me seeing him do a similar promo to this before, what he wound up doing was he cut a promo just like this, and everybody was cheering him in the in the bar in Nashville, Tennessee, basement east. We're all cheering. We've all turned the corner. Like we're all like, all right, man, we got to be cheering MJF like this guy. And he couldn't wrestle that night because he was injured. So like on top of it, like it's this whole story, and he can't wrestle. So like he's, so you feel double bad for him. He's injured. He's, he's telling the story. He's pouring his heart out and we're all like, man. And then he, he turns around and kicks Jesse right in the nuts. And we're all like, Oh, come on, man. Like, and, and he got us, you know what I mean? It was like, and with last night, I made it even cooler. Once again, was CM Punk comes out and MJF doesn't do that this time. This time yeah. MJF like just leaves it be. And now it's kind of on CM Punk to be like, wow and now some people might look at this feud a bit differently and be like you're right like CM Punk did quit on us like MJF is kind of just out here telling the truth right now and there's nothing really and that CM Punk can really even say back about it like it almost reverses the roles but I promise MJF will get all that heat back very soon like he'll do something dastardly to, to CM Punk that's going to make everyone go, oh, man, I felt bad for you last week. And I, I hate you even more because you made me feel bad for you and you're still an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I would, uh, 
I, I have a lot of thoughts on this promo. I thought I thought it was an incredible promo. Incredible promo. And once again, I've heard I've heard that coin story before. I feel like it might it might be a legitimate thing. I don't know for sure, but I think that might have been something that really did happen. MJF and the way that when he was talking about it, he was crying like like actual tears running down his face while he was doing this. So like, man, what did you think? I thought it was. I just thought it was an incredible promo. I I mean, he's had a lot of good promos over the past year. Eddie Kingston has had, had a lot of great promos. Punk has had. I mean, the Punk Kingston stuff, which is less than a year old. That was November, maybe October. Uh, but it was for the November pay-per-view. Um, there's been some incredible promos over the past year. But this, from, from a storytelling perspective, from just the emotion that MJF had to give on this, because like Eddie Kingston cuts great promos. He, he gives great emotion and stuff. This was a different kind of emotion that MJF was able to pull out of stuff. Eddie Kingston is just like kind of being Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean? Like It's great. He makes you feel things. I thought his promo last night was great as well. Uh, but like MJF going to this depth with, with this promo just puts it on a different level for me. I, I thought it was tremendous. And you're right about at some point MJF is going to do something to, to turn this around. Um, I suspect next week because next week's the go home show for the pay-per-view. So I suspect it'll happen next week. I was glad they did not do it last night because they could have easily done the whole pump comes out. He's concerned. Like, is this true type of thing? And then MJF just does the cheap shot then. And then you just kind of step on that moment a little bit. Like, oh, like we felt bad for you for like two minutes. And then now you're a dick. I like that they're going to let this sit for at least a week. And again, babyface MJF. Like they have babyfaced him for an entire week now. And now it is on CM Punk to respond. It's like, how do you respond to something like that? You, This man just told you he is the reason or you were the reason that he got into wrestling and you were the reason that he quit wrestling for a while. And now he's back here to, to spite you. And now he just wants to beat you to prove that he's better than you. Like, how do you respond to something like that? Because when he did the promo in Cleveland, we talked about it. I thought punk uh, got ate up by MJF when, when he was like, Oh, I quit, but I came back and like, I never gave up on the fans and stuff and all and, and whatnot. I was like, I don't know, man, MJF is making points. And I, he made some more points last night, and I'm very interested in what Punk has to to respond to this. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm full disclosure. I'm personally a way bigger fan of MJF than CM Punk, just like overall. Um, and I have been for for quite a while. Like MJF's a guy I've been following for years, and you know, he's been so good. And he's I think only like 24 now, and I think he's been wrestling for probably like six years or so at this point. So it's like. I'm, I'm definitely a big MJF fan, and I definitely have my my thoughts on CM Punk. I think he's a great professional wrestler, um, but I think I feel a lot about the same way MJF does about a lot of this, like as a wrestling fan, where it's like you were the guy talking about change. You were the guy that got us all to buy into you being on the same level as John Cena. We were out there buying your merchandise and all this stuff, and then you kind of quit on us. And then, you know, unfortunately for me, I'm also a massive fan of the UFC. So then I saw what he did there, and I was like, oh man, like, I don't know if I can be a CM Punk fan anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is kind of embarrassing. I was getting, I was getting crap from the MMA community for supporting him. You know, I was like, oh man, like, and then he, and now he's back. And I think he's done great since returning. Don't get me wrong. I think he's done, he has over exceeded my expectations in the ring with these promos with, uh, I can't wait for him to eventually turn heel. Like I really want that. Yeah. But but I, 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 two thumbs up for CM Punk's return since coming back to AEW, and honestly, his return like to the company in Chicago, like back to pro wrestling, that was one of the 
coolest things I've ever seen in the history of wrestling. I mean, so I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like, um, pretend like I'm like this giant CM Punk hater, but at the same time, like when MJF brings this kind of stuff up, I get back in my own head and kind of go, you know, like there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. And I also like the, I think MJF should pretty much be perennially a heel, like his whole career, but you get this little glimpse into people wanting to love this guy because he's great in the ring and he's great on the mic. He's a great professional wrestler and he's only going to keep getting better. And he's so he's not even halfway through his career. I mean, he's pretty much just getting started if he stays healthy, but I've heard Sean talk about this, I believe. And I've been on the same kind of wavelength with this idea. Imagine, and we don't have to go down this whole rabbit hole, but I just think about stuff like this. When I see glimpses of MJF as a potential baby face, if Cody returned to AEW, right? Like if, because I'm still not completely sold he's going to WWE. I think it's a very good chance he does, but I'm not completely sold on it like a lot of other people are. If Cody Rhodes comes back to AEW as a heel and uses the loophole that he's not an AEW wrestler to get a world title shot and he beats Hangman for the title, and now you have a heel Cody Rhodes as your world champion, the, the coolest story ever would be the roles being reversed. And now MJF is the one the crowd has to get behind and be like, you know what? Like, we got to choose the, the lesser of two evils. We hate Cody. Like, MJF, get rid of this guy for us. And, like, MJF has to be a babyface for, like, this one particular kind of story. And it also ties back to MJF and Cody's whole history at the beginning of AEW with him being his mentor and everything and, and him costing him the match against Jericho for the title and all that stuff. So, like... Um, anyway, that's just me like really thinking even deeper about this stuff. Cause AEW does a lot of stuff right in front of your eyes. They like hide it in plain sight where like they, they plant seeds for stuff. And then like, you realize that was important, like way later on. And this could be something like that, where it's like, they've tested the waters. Like MJF can get the fans to cheer him. They just proved it last night. So they have that in their back pocket if they ever need to use it. So I think last night accomplished a ton of stuff. And I'm even more interested in, in this match with, with MJF and Punk because I thought they did a fantastic job the last time. And MJF beat him twice in the second city. I love that whole story. And I'm a little bit worried that MJF's going to lose the Punk at the pay-per-view. But I'm really, really into the story. So, like, regardless of the outcome, they've done a great job building this. I, I was into the story last week after Punk's promo. I thought Punk, uh, his dog collar promo was, was great. And obviously playing off the, the Piper Valentine and then Punk and Raven, they, the ROH match uh, that, that we've watched together. Uh, the, you know, him doing the dog collar match there. I was really, I really liked that that story. I really liked that promo. And I liked that they went with a dog collar match because it is something different. It is something like definitely out of MJF's element. As far as MJF being a baby face. There was the glimpse of it last night. Yeah. I think for this week, he is a baby face. We will see what, what happens next week. And I think the Cody story is something they maybe wanted to do down the line. And it could still certainly happen because I still think Cody is going to WWE. Even if he comes back, I don't think he's going to be, you know, immediately inserted into the world title picture. I do think down the line, there was that story of Cody being the heel MJF being the face, Cody having the title, MJF, and that's one of the ways he, he gets the title. And I don't know if it would have been his first reign, his second reign, or, or whatnot, but I do think that was a story they may have had in their back pocket down the line. And they can still go to that because at the end of the day with Cody, I, I do think he's going to WWE. I think eventually he makes his way back 
to AEW in some capacity. I don't know if that's a year, two years, whatever it might be. So that story can still be in their back pocket for whenever they, they decide to potentially use it. But the thing about MJF is like the diversity of this man as a performer is you think he's just like a heel and he's great as a heel. And I'm not always in love with all of his heel promos. Uh, I think there is a lot of low hanging fruit that he ends up uh, taking that I, I don't always, I don't, I'm not always a fan of. Uh, but when he like really sinks his teeth into a promo and like attacks somebody and doesn't just go after low hanging fruits up, he, he can bite really hard at these guys. And then you, so you got that on the heel side. Last night, tremendous babyface promo where he conveys this legit like crying emotion and gets fans to turn on him uh, and cheer him. We've seen him do song and dances with Chris Jericho uh, in the ring. Like he he's underrated in the ring because he doesn't have that many matches, but every single one of his matches is very good. Like Dude. he is just top to bottom, a complete performer. Last year, my favorite match of the entire year, any company was MJF versus Darby Allen. Love that. Match. I remember when so. we when we reviewed that show, I was shocked. I was like, wait a second, that that this the same show that had Hangman and Omega and uh, da- da- Daniel Sinamiro was on that show and, and Punk and Kingston was on that show. And yeah, you went MJF and Darby Allen, and not only for the show, that was your favorite match of the year, which is which speaks volumes about you as a person and your terrible taste, <laughs> but also volumes about MJF and just like his performances. He's such and he's just such a great all round performer. Like in the storytelling, no one else is quite as good at it, in my opinion, as he is. And for him being so young, that's what puts it like really over the top for me is like he's doing this in his early 20s. This is insane when you really think about how good he is. Like, and part of what I love so much about the match with Darby was how he was talking about beating him with a wrestling move, beating him with a headlock. And then in the first movie he did was a headlock. And then the last movie he did was a headlock after he hit him with the diamond ring and all that stuff. It was, but it was like, it was just such, and, and on top of it, it was the opening match of the show and the crowd was white hot for that. So like, yeah, there, it is everything considered. And I'm a big, uh, a big fan of these, these young AEW guys like him and Darby. Like the, this is, it's cool to see AEW pull the trigger on these kind of guys when you know in most in most scenarios and other big companies, a lot of the time it'd be a lot slower of a build because it's like they're young, they got to prove themselves, and they got to lose to the big stars over and over and over again. This is like these guys are main event level guys, and they're young, but they're so good that like I, I am a fan. I, I am a believer. MJF used to say this all the time: ta- uh, talent over tenure. And I believe that like, if you're the best, I don't care how many dues you've paid. I want to see the best wrestlers uh, wrestle the best wrestlers. So um, that, that's a lot that has to do with like why I like that MJF and Darby match so much. Uh, Miss Kate Fabe, our pal Kate says, kept waiting for Wardlow to come hit him with the chair. Not giving us that made it better. Love you both. Been too long since I've harassed you both. Yes. It, it, you know, you don't have to harass us all the time, but hope you're doing well, Kate. I uh, hope you're not a four-time COVID champion anytime soon. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad they they didn't do anything like that. Again, they could have. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, same here. And thank you, Kate. It's good to see you as always. Um, no, don't say that. It's a little not. bit. It's a little big league for life. Um, it's really not great to see Kate. But, uh, but, I mean, and that's the thing, too. And that's the other whole layer of MJF that we're not even talking about right now. He has another humongous storyline just waiting in Wardlow right now. So like, regardless of what happens with him and punk, 
you know he's going to be yeah. right back there in another main event level feud with Wardlow like right away. So it's like, I mean, there's just so many things lined up long term for for these guys and, and these girls. There's everybody in the company that it's like, that's what gets me so excited about AEW. There's a lot of reasons to get excited about AEW, but like there is no shortage of just great stories and dream matches with the roster they have. So like, yeah, uh, but Wardlow... It's going to be interesting because we, we've been waiting for Warlord, Warlord to turn on MJF for years now. And it seems like it's going to happen soon. So I'm very interested to see like how they actually wind up actually you know, executing it. Do you think, I, I saw this a little, little bit of chatter online. Do you think this storyline, I know it's not done yet, but do you think it is or has the potential to be the best AEW story. And I don't know about you. I think that Omega Hangman is is there and it, that's a tough one to top. But do you think it, it has, it already has, or depending on how the next couple of weeks play out, how the match plays out, do you think it has the potential to top Omega and Hangman? It depends on the match. Because as, as amazing as the story was, the long-term story of Hangman and Omega, um, I... I'm not going to say it was let down by the match where Hangman finally won, but it wasn't like the best match I've ever seen in my life kind of thing. Like it was really, really good. I'm, I mean, you definitely want to go out of your way to watch it. And it was, it was the perfect way to end that story or at least put the story on hold while Omega, um, you know, takes time off right now. But, um, but I mean, if, if, if punk, cause here's the thing, part of me wants to say, well, I don't, I just don't see it like punk being able to, to, to be able to him and MJF, I don't know if they can top an Omega and Hangman match. I don't know. I just don't know if they can. But then I think about like Punk and, and Kingston was like really good. Like Punk and Darby was really good. And I think that MJF is is every bit as good as these other opponents that um that Punk has had. So if they can go out there, if they can have well, let me put it this way. If they could objectively, and it's all it's all just matter of opinion, depending on what you like. If I like the Punk and MJF match at this pay-per-view more than I liked the Hangman versus um, Omega match where Hangman won the title, then I would say this is probably the best that they've done, like, all around for, like, a story in AEW so far. It will depend on the match. Obviously, that's the, the climax of everything. They've already had one great match. Yes. Kind of two. Uh, but their, their television match um, mm. was already fantastic stuff for a tv match i suspect that the dog collar match will be really great as well it will depend on how it closes uh it by like like the match closing like punk wins how he wins mjf wins how he wins and sort of just how they wrap up the story i'm not ready to say it is surpassed hangman and omega just yet because i don't know how they're going to wrap that up hangman story you knew how hangman was he was going to win the title. That was going to be the wrap on that. And I, I really enjoyed that match. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. And it left uh, some open-endedness to do the the rematch between the two. It will depend on how they wrap up, but like the way they have done this story and the real-life element to it, especially with that promo last night, some of the promo, what was the, the Thanksgiving promos that they cut against each other was just top-notch stuff. Uh, yeah, if the match delivers and it concludes in a, doesn't even have to be a satisfying way, because uh, I don't know what a satisfying way is for a lot of people. Um, but if it concludes in, in a satisfying way as a conclusion, whether that's, you know, whatever your taste may be, uh, as far as how you feel about personally, as far as a conclusion goes, will it be satisfying? It definitely has the chance to surpass um, Hangman and Omega. And JJ says, does this main event the show? I thought about that earlier. 
because there was chatter of uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker main eventing, and I didn't, I don't see that at all. Um, I thought about like what should main event, and this feels like their hottest feud. It feels hotter than Omega or not Omega, uh, Hangman and Cole. So I would probably like right now if I'm picking, I'd close with this match. Yeah, I. I mean, what a great problem to have, too, if you're AEW. Yeah. Like, all, just such a stacked card from top to bottom. Um, and also just to kind of both of our points about, like, I, I thought that Hangman versus Omega was better than the first Punk and um, Punk and MJF match. Like, I love the Punk and MJF match on Dynamite, but, like, I would rank Omega and Hangman above that. And that's why I'm saying, like, at this pay-per-view, if they can outdo that, this time then like i think that that's why it would be so high for me and like i mean i'd be totally fine with them um main eventing this show i i mean i i'd have no problem with that um yeah i i like i mean i i feel like they'll go with hangman and cole though just because it's the world title i i think they will as well i I think they they will just end up going hangman and cole but again, if I had my choice, the the show that I think should close or the match that I think should close, it would be Punk and MJF right now. Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing is there's no wrong answers here. Like all these, you can take like five different matches off that card and be like, oh, these are all main event matches. Um, I mean, even like Jericho and Kingston's like got a ton of heat behind it. Like that wouldn't main event that, but like that's a big time match. I mean, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Danielson and, and Moxley, you can main event yeah. with that. Like that's going to be a great match. <laughs> so they, too, yeah. Yeah, there's there's no you're right. There's no wrong answer. They have plenty of uh, great matches lined up for Revolution, and I'm looking forward to that show. We'll 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 dive more into Revolution uh, next week. But my AW spotlight for this week is Jonathan Ross Sapp reporting that Isaiah Swerve Scott Shane Swerve Strickland Swerve the Realist just Swerve whatever you want to call him. Uh, has signed or will be signing with AEW, planning to debut him first week of March. I imagine it'll be the event after Revolution, unless there is a wild card spot in the Revolution ladder match, and then I could see him debuting there. But it looks like Swerve is AEW bound. I feel like this was pretty pretty much in the cards once WWE released him because he was kind of the, the top free agent out there, a guy that just can do it all in the ring, uh, just has a presence about him whether it's in a video package or or in a in the ring as as far as a promo but and has as a crossover appeal as well and, and I tweeted this I've listened to a lot of swerve interviews over the past week he's really making the the media rounds and he he comes off so well so likable he's not afraid to to say what's on his mind and I just grow to like this man more and more every time I hear him talk and I think there's there's a lot of potential for him in AEW um, they got a lot of people that they need space for right now. And I think they got more coming in. I mean, Keith Lee just signed. Buddy Matthews made his debut last night. Jeff Hardy is apparently going to be there pretty soon. Like they got a lot of spots to fill and stuff. I see Swerve at minimum. He's your, your TNT champion. And down the line, I could easily see him holding the world title. Where are you at on Swerve and AEW? I agree with everything you just said. Um, he's another guy I've been pulling for, for a long time, like years ago, back when I started like interviewing wrestlers, um, he was still in Lucha Underground as kill shot. And I, I interviewed him for like, he did like an hour on my podcast. So he had no reason to, and I was, I've always just been really grateful for him and guys like him that gave me a chance when like they, 
there's literally no reason to. And, uh, you know, I, I loved him as Killshot and Lucha Underground and then to follow his career over to the Indies and Swerve. And I mean, I'll get to see him tonight at Terminus. He's still on the card, I believe, tonight. I know they've had some changes to the card, but I, I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to be seeing him live tonight at Terminus. And by the way, we're going to talk about Terminus during the show. But if you're there live tonight, come and say, hey, I'll be there at the event here in Atlanta. Um, but I, he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, total package checks all the boxes you want out of a star i mean he's great on the microphone he's great in the ring he has a a, a really good um kind of like aura about him like he just comes across like a star very charismatic that's what I, that's kind of the word i'm looking for very charismatic guy um so yeah i i think I'm, I'm right there with you i think he's probably in the tnt title mix pretty much immediately and I could def I definitely think he has the talent to be the world champion at some point in AEW. So, uh, yeah, th- I think this was inevitable. Like this was one where when he got released or whatever from the WWE, the first thing I said was like, he will, he will get signed to AEW. Like I, as long as AEW wants him and he wants to go there, that that will happen. So I'm very, I'm very happy it's happening. I, I think a lot of people after he got released and the rest of Hit, Hit Row got released, you know, were thinking that maybe Hit Row sticks together in some capacity. Swerve was always the like the star of that group. I mean, it was very evident in NXT and WWE. They tried to do something where they wanted it seemed like Top Dollar to to be kind of the guy, um, but Swerve was already always the standout of that group and just had the most overall potential from the crossover standpoint from an ability standpoint whether that be in the ring or on the mic and like when you listen to these guys do interviews they're they're obviously still friends they're still doing stuff together but you could tell with swerve he he was going to take a different path than okay let me just keep doing hit row stuff on the indies and stuff swerve was gonna and he said he said as much like he was gonna focus on himself and if hit row came together they came together and i I know they're doing a reunion at like mcw um and then then hit rows doing stuff at gcw for the culture hit row without swerve uh they're doing something at for the culture but swerve was always when you listen to him talk he was always going to be like i'm going to kind of do what's what's best for me in this case and i'm gonna if you know if AEW comes calling i'm gonna go there and you know i'm gonna still be friends with these guys do projects with them but if they're not you know if they can't come with me then we'll we'll still it'll still be good but i, I gotta focus on myself and so i'm glad he's gonna get this opportunity i really hope he does not get lost in the shuffle or anything like that because they got a lot of guys it's very easy to get lost in that shuffle i hope they they see the potential they have in swerve and they utilize him the way he should be utilized Right. Yeah. Once again, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And and I think that, you know, and just keeping it real, I mean, there's a pretty big gap between like Swerve and then like the rest of Hit Row, in my opinion. Now, like Ashanti the Adonis, actually, like I got, I watched him quite a bit when he was on 205 Live because I covered that for the weekender and like he's talented. Um, and BFAB, you know, a lot of people were really behind her when she got the call up, you know, to, I think it was the SmackDown from NXT and stuff. And, and I know that, uh, um, I can't think of his name. The dude from the Hidden Treasures show, um, the big dude, AJ Francis. AJ Francis. Um, yeah. I know he was pretty divisive uh, in in the fan base and stuff, but like, it, but it was one of those things where like we're 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 a little bit concerned about Swerve maybe getting lost in the mix. The rest of them would have gotten super lost in the mix in AEW unless they were they were pushed as like the, like a major faction together or something like that. But um, I think it's kind of working out best for everybody probably because. 
if Hit Row can really prove themselves on the indies in shows like For the Culture and like catch on with GCW and some of like the, the high level indies, then they can really raise their stock, I think, even more. Because unfortunately for them, they just didn't, there's not a whole lot of, uh, uh, there's not, how do you put it? There's not a lot of like data on them, right? Like we've seen Swerve on the indies for years and Lucha Underground. And like, he was clearly like the one who was ready this whole time. We just don't, we didn't get to see a lot of B-Fab and AJ Francis and Ashanti the Adonis and stuff. So like, if they can go out there and really, once again, kind of prove themselves on the indie scene, then I could maybe see them becoming a part of AEW. I just think that they're, they're probably just not a good fit there, like at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, everyone, check out Grab Study this Saturday at, at twelve. I don't know if I, if I spoil Will's announcement right now. I'm sorry, but Swerve is going to be on the show on Saturday. Okay, he hinted at it enough. He he teased it enough. I'm sorry if I'm just spoiling it right now uh, on on my uh, my own show with without will's permission um but yeah swerve's supposed to be on the show on saturday if that falls through he can blame me if you would like for for jumping the gun on making this announcement uh wwe spotlights steven jensen brock lesnar is the wwe champion once again winning the elimination chamber he is going to oh apparently i did i guess uh, is that sean on the overbooked or is that uh is that joel on the overbooked channel saying that i i spoiled it my bad tell will he can yell at me everyone go 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 uh, check out will go on day after dynamite uh at four o'clock on fightful overbooked oh it's joel i'm sorry sorry will i love you uh, he hinted enough around it. I broke the news. I want credit for breaking the news, at least. Okay. So, yeah, that's all on you, Jeremy. That's all you. <laughs> you, get, you get full credit for all of this. <laughs> Steven is just disavowing any knowledge of this happening. He, he's not even associated <laughs> with this show anymore. <laughs> Speaking of Terminus, I, I, I sat right next to Will and Phil uh, at uh, a Terminus last time I was here in town. Speaking of Will. So, yeah, way to go, Jeremy. <laughs> My bad. I've had Will's gonna send me an angry DM here in a second. Like, what the hell? He probably wanted to announce it on like uh, Dynamite uh, to or day after Dynamite at four, and then I just might here give him the scoops. Uh, see, Bad Company Bill says he thinks he tweeted. He hinted at it enough. We're gonna get to the bottom of this. I wonder if I just I'm gonna send Will this link and be like, and see if we have any heat right now. Until then, we uh, we're gonna talk about WWE and we're gonna talk about Brock Lesnar being the WWE champion again. And winning the Elimination Chamber to set up Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, winner take all at WrestleMania. Jensen, this was your spotlight. I'm sure you're excited for another Brock and Roman Reigns match. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the the funny the funny thing about this is like like obviously this is a match we've seen you know before and stuff. Um, I do like the roles being reversed though here. I do like the whole baby face Brock thing and him like taking pictures with the kids and stuff. Like that's, it's just so different to see after, you know, 20 years of, of him being such a different dude out there. Um, I think it's going to be a really good match. I really do. I think the WrestleMania card actually does look really, really good on paper, whether or not, you know, we get a great show both nights. I don't know, but I mean, but it, the, the matches that are shaping up, I think, um, I do think that it does look like a good show. Um, but yeah, my spotlight was Brock winning the title again. And it's kind of everything that surrounds that, right? Like the whole the whole Lashley thing. Like I know that Lashley was injured going into the match. Like I didn't know it while I was watching the match. I found out afterwards. And then I was like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. 
But in hindsight, I probably once I don't like the idea of this, but in hindsight, I probably would have had him just get like laid out backstage and just like not able to compete or something because he barely got touched in that chamber. And like that's the reason he's gonna be kayfabe off TV was like that like barely taking a bump in the pod. You know what I mean? It was just kind of weird how they did that, in my opinion. Um, so the the title's off Lashley. So right away, everyone's already gonna be going crazy because it's like, what they screwed Lashley again, right? Like he had the title for Hardly any time, but there's good reason this time. Obviously, he's injured. I will say, though, injured or not, I guarantee you Rock was going to win that match anyways. Like I think you know, so, too. So I think Lashley fans probably actually dodged a bullet here to a degree because they can at least promote Lashley getting a shot at the world title when he comes back because he never lost the title versus him getting F5'd and pinned in the chamber, which is probably what would have happened if he if he was in the match. Um, but yeah, so so... Brock's the champion. Roman's the champion. This was all very, very, very predictable that like it was going to be this match and title versus title and all that stuff. But Brock Lesnar is the biggest star that they have access to right now. I mean, by far, in my opinion, uh, Ronda Rousey's up there too still. And Roman's their biggest current star. So this, you know, and I hope there's a trickle down here where they unify a lot more of these titles and get rid of the brand split. That's a whole other conversation we don't have to get into. But I hope that I, they, they kind of alluded to that on Raw this past Monday. I watched the whole show just, just in case Cody was going to show up. So I watched the whole thing. And at one point, I noticed that Rollins and Owens were kind of like talking about unifying the tag team titles too. So I think this might be something that they that they start really doing. And I hope that they do for a lot of reasons, uh, personally. But um, but yeah, that's my spotlight. Brock's the champion again. It's title versus title. And I I predict that Roman will beat Brock and become like the undisputed champion at WrestleMania. But like, what do you feel? How do you feel about Brock winning the title again? And like, do you think that Roman beats Brock? Or do you think Brock beats Roman when we get to WrestleMania? I mean, we both said it last week is that Brock was probably going to win that elimination chamber. Um, and, and he did. And like you said, even if Lashley was 100% and, and ready to compete in that match, still thought Brock was going to win that thing. And now it's title versus title. I wish they would go back to just having one title and just having that person float across brands. They they don't have a draft anyway. They don't have a brand split anyway. They just kind of do what they want with that stuff. Just have one major title, have it be the, the focus of, of most of the shows and, and figure it out from there. I don't think they could do it well is one of the issues. And that's why they, they probably haven't done it. Um, but I do think that's what they should do moving forward. I do think Roman should win the title. Even if it's Brock, because uh, I've been loving this, this baby face Brock run. But I do think whoever wins the title, it should just be one champion. And you go from there. I don't want it to be like a Becky Lynch situation where she wins both titles and then a month later, she just ends up losing one of them because they got to split the titles again. Because whoever wins between Brock and Roman, like, when they lose, it should actually mean something. And it shouldn't just be, oh, well, I got B for one title, but I still got this other title. And if they do that, they'll probably just they'll do a triple threat match or they'll do a, a some type of match to where Roman or Brock doesn't have to get penned. Because whenever, especially if it's Roman, whenever he loses, uh, whenever he loses, that should mean something, especially if it's going to be a singles match. It should not be like, ah, I lost that one title. I've still held this title for a thousand days, assuming he loses the WWE title in whatever match. It's like, kind of it like when like kind of like when Kenny lost the the impact title to Christian. Yeah. 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 It took a little I, bit I, I away, I think, from the right. And thing. I didn't really I wasn't like a big fan of that. They did it like decently enough, but 
Kenny was not the the champion that that Roman Reigns was, and I mean that in that he did not have the title for as long. He did not run through everybody on the roster like Roman Reigns has. Um, so it, it, a little bit different circumstances, and it was a title from another company. Like this is the title for this company, so you you don't have to do this. That's the thing. You don't have sure. to do this. You don't have to do this unification match. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jeremy. It, that's how it did work. Is like the champions appeared on both shows. And like, that's how I liked it like that. I thought that was good. And they did away with that because they won in multiple titles. They can barely book all these titles. That's the other thing. An Intercontinental title barely gets booked. The U.S. champion. Apologies as I sneeze. Uh, the U.S. champion. Uh, Jeremy's getting over sickness, by the way. This is the flu game for me. Um the U.S. champion's priest, but he lost to AJ, and then he beat AJ. Uh, I don't like the the two champion thing. Just have just have one title that that floats between both brands. I think that, especially when it comes to the world title and the tag team titles, I, I think that's the way it should it should be done. Not COVID. I tested negative for COVID. All right, it, it, I tested positive for the flu. Apparently, flu shots work about as well as COVID shots nowadays. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, when we recorded our uh, our interview, uh, was that yesterday we did that? We recorded yeah. uh, the yeah. interview. You were pretty. You were pretty sick yesterday. Um, yeah. you were a lot better today, but you are definitely still dealing with something. So, um, everyone wish Jeremy well wishes here in the chat to, for speaking. Yeah, send me money. That's how I get over things. <laughs> there right. you go. Um, but uh, but no, I'm with you. Like I I think I think the WWE really and i i totally get it i totally get the whole concept of like the brand split the whole reason is to try to make new stars because you're giving more people opportunities by splitting the brands and all this stuff but like it just hasn't been working for like two decades like the better part of two decades on and off and i think wwe really should just put all their best people on the shows like there really should be no reason if you're a wwe fan that you turn on raw and roman reigns isn't there you know like i i just feel like they they're in a spot where they need to create stars, but I think that they're they're not doing it the way that the way that they've wanted to for years and years and years at this point. They've only created Roman. I mean, that's really it. Um, in the last since like the, like 2010, 2011, like it's really only been Roman after CM Punk left, and uh, and Dan O'Brien uh, to be fair for a short time, but they they I mean they should be in this position where like even if you want to position Roman as like the top star, it really should be where like Rollins and Owens and Balor and some of these other guys are like right there with him. Like back in the day when we had Steve Austin and the rock were the number one and number two, and it was clear, but you had triple H and mankind and undertaker and Kane and HBK before he had to retire. And, and just, it was just so loaded. And even, and even then, like when you had like the, 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 opening matches and the the mid card stuff it'd be like D'Lo brown versus like sky Chuhati or something but like people were invested like it was characters people cared about like every match on the show felt like it actually mattered and i think the best way to do that is consolidating the brands and put and they've cut so many wrestlers it's not like they have this like gigantic roster of people where they just don't know what to do and where to put anybody like they can take their main stars feature them on both shows use NXT how it should be used to like actually develop talent. And then you have level up for like the people who need to be developed before they show up to developmental. So like I, you know, 
And I, I understand the other thing people go, well, WWE writers, they can't, they can't figure out how to write for two hours a week for Roman. How are they going to be able to do it for five hours a week? And it's like, that's on them. It's their job to write about professional, to write professional wrestling shows. Like, and in the Attitude Era, it was, it was possible. So like, why, why is it not possible now? Um, can I, and I, can I get a lot of, get a lot of Roman Reigns just doing this, just holding up the one. <laughs> a lot of Paul Heyman just acknowledging a lot of those segments. Get ready, everybody. But that's the thing is like that he's really the draw for the company. As far as people there that are there on a full-time basis, I think there's a lot of people that just straight up don't watch Raw because Roman's not on the show. Will, Will has joined us. He probably has no idea why he's here. <laughs> he doesn't. He, he just shook his head. <laughs> Will, how are you? What's up, Will? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, I, I, have, I have scooped you uh, about your own show, and I, I, I spoiled who, who you have on the show on Saturday, and I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> it was all Jeremy, by the way, completely 100% yeah, Steven, Jeremy. Steven has no, he wants nothing to do with this. <laughs> I did not have anything to do with this. Well, I'll give, I suppose I'll just give everybody the official <laughs> word that this weekend on Grapsity, long overdue, uh, we will be joined by current free agent, although if you subscribe to FightfulSelect.com, there's information about that. But free agent Shane Swerve, the realist Strickland, is joining us on Grapsity this weekend. Uh, we're going to be talking about lots. I actually had planned a whole tweet about this where I was going to say, send us your <laughs> questions and all of that. Uh, so, Nobody watches the show. It's fine. <laughs> so there will be a tweet drops in like a couple of hours where I'm going to ask people to to give us their questions for what they want. And look, don't ask about the obvious. It's one of those things where you know what can and can't be said. So like, <laughs> at least I assume so. But otherwise, yeah. Uh, this Saturday on Grap City, we're going to be joined by my cousin Swerve. And uh, I'm excited to talk with him about pretty much all things going on in pro wrestling. I'm going to try to avoid asking about the, the, the usual stuff. I feel like he's answered stuff about Hit Row plenty over the last 48 done, hours. Yes, he's done a lot of, a lot of media. I, I was saying that I've listened to a lot of Swerve interviews over the past week. And yeah. I've, hear, I've heard a lot of the same answers. He gives a lot of new answers too, but I've heard a lot of the same stuff. So uh, I, I, I suspect you will get better and more in-depth and different questions asked. Yeah, I'm going to try and go a little bit different with it and have a little bit of a different conversation. But yeah, it's a Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, youtube.com slash Fightful. There you go, right here on this channel. Do we have heat, Will? No, we don't have heat. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Although the next time I get a scoop on you, just remember, if I just drop it, you can, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, Will. I will. I will give you the scoop to uh, whenever I, I get engaged. I'll give you that scoop. Okay. I'll yeah. feed that to you first. You can break the news of my engagement before I. Oh, do. that's exciting! I would drop that <laughs> in a heartbeat. Yeah, you, you've met the EP and everything, so you guys bonded over kids and whatnot. So yeah, she's great. Yeah. No, we were. Uh, I, I was actually just uh, talking with someone over the fact that you guys were like perfect for each other. So. Um, oh, I may Aww. give kind word. <laughs> uh, everyone, check out Will on Day After Dynamite in a couple of, no, not a couple hours, at four o'clock on Fightful. Yeah, in an hour and 10 minutes. I should probably finish my lunch. So, 
You guys Thanks, have Will. a good one. And yeah, I'll be reviewing Dynamite in an hour. Fight the lower book. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Will. There you go. No heat. No heat with uh, Will and I after I outscooped him on that. <laughs> uh, where were we, Jensen? What a... Um, but I was basically just wrapping up talking about the brand split and, and whether or not I feel, I mean, how I feel that they should, they should do that and, and all that. But, you know, that's just my personal opinion. I, I get the, I get the pros and the cons of splitting the brands and keeping them split and all that stuff. But me personally, as a fan, as somebody who's trying to get back into the WWE product, um, I know I'd personally enjoy turning on raw and like all the best wrestlers are on raw and then having a reason to watch SmackDown because all the best wrestlers are on SmackDown. So this is my personal opinion. The brand split is a ginormous topic that I could dive into for hours, but I'm not going to do it here on this show. I'm going to move on to my spotlight, which is Edge's open challenge at WrestleMania. There were hints that it could be Cody Rhodes. He uh, mentioned phenomenal. So people are obviously thinking AJ Styles. I think Seth Rollins, or not Seth Rollins, they've already done Edge and Seth Rollins a million times. I think Cody Rhodes and AJ Styles were the big ones. I'm trying to think who else he kind of like, hinted at i think people have like kind of floated austin theory just because uh they they think they should push austin theory i don't know if that's going to be a thing or not but those are those are the kind of kind of the big ones here and this plays off of what throwback has to say with aj resigned you think you eventually get a title run the universal title at some point master champa champa is another name that maybe they want to push him and they're bringing him up to the main roster for edges open challenge someone else in nxt after mania what do you think is next so i'll ask you jensen do you think Ed, or aj styles is edge's opponent at wrestlemania i do i think that's exactly what they're doing and I hope it is, to be honest, because it's a match we've never seen and two legitimate legends in the world of wrestling. Um, my personal opinion, I said this the other day on a, another show, I think it was the one I did with Jesse, that if you were to ask me who was the best professional wrestler in the last two decades, I'd probably say AJ Styles. And and like that's why I'm also so happy he's getting you know paid now with the WWE. And like, you know, I'm I'm very happy for the guy at this point in his career. And there's not a whole lot of dream matches left for Edge or AJ Styles, but them against each other is something we've never seen before. And I, I, I love the idea of it. <clears throat> and Edge has Edge done really well in these big spots in WWE since he's returned. AJ has always been great. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're going to put on a really good match, and, I, and that is what I'm expecting it to be. So what about you? You think it's AJ? Um, it, it is me, Steven Jensen. I am facing Edge. At WrestleMania, it is an open challenge, right? I'm accepting Edge's challenge. I've asked the production people to hit my music. Let let me say this about Edge: I'm I'm sick. I've been sick for the past couple of days. I've been sick since about Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern when Edge came out and was spouting his bullshit about trying to be the new Mister WrestleMania. How he creates moments at WrestleMania. The only WrestleMania moment Edge created was 15 years ago when he speared Mick Foley through the fire, and then Mick Foley claimed that as his moment. Edge hasn't done anything memorable at WrestleMania outside of that, outside of 15 years ago. What has he done in the last 15 years? He's been a little bitch last year. I called him out personally, publicly, on our show for being a little bitch during WrestleMania last year, crying about... Oh, Brian Danielson is in my spot. Daniel Bryan is taking my spot. I won the Rumble, and now he's in this. He was just crying the entire time on television. 
He's had this the greatest wrestling match ever with, with Randy Orton, which was horrible. He had the, the horrible, god-awful, terrible, maybe the worst match of all time against Randy Orton at WrestleMania uh, uh, Performance Center. Just a awful, awful return match. No one was even the, in the building for that match. They didn't care at all about it. <laughs> he, I am sick of Edge. I am, I am sick of of edge all right i'm sick of him thinking that he is the new Shawn michaels and the new mr wrestlemania when he hasn't done anything he didn't have any great matches he didn't have a single great match maybe he's created a moment again 15 years ago doesn't have a great match to his name at wrestlemania all right christian's always been better since the start of edge and christian since the start of the brood christian has been better he's doing better now He's had better matches now than Edge. Christian's had better matches over the past year than Edge has. When was the last time Edge had a match on the level of the Kenny Omega match with Christian? It hasn't happened. Since his comeback, he hasn't done it. Yeah, I'm going to face like- Edge. <laughs> I'm going to face Edge at WrestleMania. I'm going to kick him in the fucking head, and I'm going to end his career for good. All right? Edge, I'm calling you out. You want somebody for WrestleMania? I'm here. I'm sick. You made me sick. I'm going to cure myself by ending you. I love this. Somebody clip this and make sure to tag Edge and make sure that we make this match happen. Jeremy Lambert versus Edge at WrestleMania. I think I'm a little, a little harsh on Edge, man. Like, I mean, you're forgetting I about... <laughs> no, I, I, can, I can tell. I can tell that this is a, this is somewhat of a bit. I do think Christian I, I do, is better, do, but for the record, I do think Christian is better. I don't do really? have any like personal issue with Edge, uh, but yeah, I, I look. I'm trying. I'm trying to get booked for WrestleMania. Okay, Damn. that's fair. That's very fair. I mean, you got to make some noise and, and get get out. He like, sits in the ring. He say he he's got to grab his chair. He's got to grab the chair. Here, I'll I'll do an edge. Hold on. Oh, hell yeah, let's see this. Grab my chair. Hey, everybody, chair. One spotlight. We'll turn off this light over here. There. So there's only one spotlight on me, just like Edge. And he sits here brooding. And This is perfect. They told me that I would never come back, that I would not return. Now I need somebody to step up at WrestleMania to create my moment. You want to make a name for yourself? You can do it against me at WrestleMania. Come to my stage. Come where I make people famous. Come against me at WrestleMania. I'm sick of all that. I'm sick of that bullshit. All right, Edge? I'm going to come there, and I'm going to make you famous, and I'm going to end your career. That's what's going to happen. Sit in your chair with your little Shakespeare promos. Get out of here with that. I'm not here to talk, Edge. I'm not here to talk. I'm here to kick your fucking head in like my hero, Brian Danielson. All right? Calling him a getting mad at him last year for taking your spot. I'm going to avenge him. I'm going to avenge Brian Danielson. Me and you, Edge. WrestleMania. I'll see you in Dallas. I can't top this. I Yeah, this is this needs to happen. What, what if it's Veer? That'd be great if it was Veer. That'd be hilarious, right? <laughs> it's like he finally comes and then... uh. And then uh, just gets beat by Edge, and then like you never. No, see him he again. should beat Edge. He should just. Beat I mean that. Yeah, that could happen. Oh, I mean, of course. I, I'm, I'm assuming from now on, anytime I bring up Edge, you're going to be cheering against him. I mean, you seem to have a very, <laughs> a very uh, deep seated issue with uh, with Adam Copeland over there. But, um, but oh, let's not discredit like 
the TLC match and you know I thought him and him and Foley was awesome if I'm being honest like I love that match it was really good. um um a lot of people seem to really like him and Seth Rollins uh recently I gotta give him some credit for some of the stuff he's done but that Frank, whole thing Frank my guy Frank says Edge has never had a great match that involved a chair cage or five other people maybe even the most overrated person in wrestling history I'm not going that most overrated person in wrestling history I do think that, again, I think Christian is better and that Edge's resume is a little gimmick heavy. And that's fair. But that's actually a really fair um, uh, statement there by Frank in the Super Chat. Like, that makes me really kind of think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in, there, were, there was another point about, oh, yeah, the, the, it really bothered me how they, they marketed that match with the Orton as the greatest match of all time before it ever <laughs> even happened. Like that was so lame. So, dude, you're making me turn on edge over here. Hold on, all right. I, I don't have anything else to really add to this. Like this was Jeremy's spotlight. Um, we thought the spotlight was Edge's open challenge for WrestleMania, which technically that is the spotlight. I was not kept in the loop that this topic was actually about Jeremy trying to get the match against Edge. But I'm not. You know, are. I can't. I can't just tell you what the booking plans are. I gotta gotta keep you on your toes a little oh, bit. I double masked you last week. I mean, we got to keep each other on, on our, on our toes here. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I do think it'll probably be AJ, but I'm angling for it. All right. It's an open challenge. I've tossed my name out there. I just got to get to, to Dallas and I just got to have someone hit my music first. That's all. What's your music? Taylor Swift? Uh, probably a Taylor Swift song. Yeah. Shake it off is going to hit and the crowd's going to be very confused. They, they can't afford the rights to shake it off, but that's going to hit. And I'm just going to come out there and just uh, dance my way down the rain. How, how old is Nicholas nowadays? Oh man. He's got to be, that was like five years ago. Yeah. Be like He's probably, yeah. he's probably itching for another WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's move uh, on let's to something else. Yeah. <laughs> Let's head to the other of the spotlight, and we're going to start with yours. And the NWA Crockett Cup it is back for March. It is a two-night event. They announced the bracket. Uh, Jensen, you want to do some Crockett Cup bracketology here? Yes, my spotlight this week is bracketology for the Crockett Cup. Now, it's a kind of difficult to do like a full – I mean, we'll do our best here because some of the spots still haven't been filled for the brackets. But really quickly, I did want to mention – I have seen over the last couple of days, including today, they are including in the play-ins, Violence is Forever, Dominic Greeny and Kevin Koo, in my opinion, one of the best tag teams in the world, especially if you're looking you know, just independent scene. And then two of my favorite wrestlers on earth love these guys so much. They were just announced today, Joshua Bishop and Maserati West, the Rip City Shooters. Um, I talk about Joshua Bishop every single week on the weekender because I, he's going to be such a massive breakout star. Once he, this is the first time he's going to be doing anything even to this level. He's mainly an aid AIW guy and he, he floats the Indies, but like he's never been an NWA. He's never been an impact. He's never been in WWE, never been an NXT or, or AW or anything. So like, I think this is going to be the beginning of a huge breakthrough for Bishop and uh, Maserati West I, I I like him as a tag team partner for for Josh and also as a manager for Josh. So like I hope this does big things for for those two guys and Bounces Forever. So in Bounces Forever, both those guys were on AEW Dark this past week. So um, I wanted to give both those teams shout outs real quick because they are in the play-ins to get into the tournament. And I just I just love that NWA 
listen to the fans on this because they were asking for for teams that that fans wanted to see get a shot in this tournament and those two teams were popping up a lot and they listened and they're going to be in the tournament which I, I think that's awesome um what are your thoughts on this tournament and then we'll we'll uh we'll just give some picks and say who we think might win this whole thing I was really excited that to see Violence is Forever as part of the group. I, I would think Garini and, and Ku are tremendous, tremendous tag team. So I, I think they will uh, get uh, – I think they'll be in on the on the play-in. I think they'll get through. Uh, I don't think they're going to go far after that, considering they'd be facing the, the champions, La Rebellion. I'm looking at it, and OGK are, are my pick here. I, I'm going Bennett and Taven to win this whole thing. Um, the Briscoes obviously have a good shot and then the, the champions, I don't think the champions are going to end up winning it. I, I like OGK and I like dirty, sexy boys as a, a sleeper. Cause they're the, they're the 10th seed according to the seating. So, but I like JTG and dirty Dango as like a sleeper. I'm going to say, cause so someone they're doing a TBD for uh, law rebellion and for the Briscoe brothers. Yeah. Um, it's not FDR, that, everybody. Yeah, they won't. They that will not be where this match happens. Um, I hope that Ring of Honor gets that. We talked about that before, but I'm hoping that they get. Imagine, that imagine Corgan just ponies up all that Smashing Pumpkins money and gets Briscoe's FTR in front of 200 people for the Crockett Cup uh, as a first round match. Dude, and that that's just I brought this up on the weekend or this past week too. NWA just did this other tournament where the winning team, it was teams of three, and the winning team won thirty thousand dollars. Like that was the big prize for like the end of this tournament. And I was like, Yeah, if someone gave me thirty thousand dollars to split between three people, like if I get ten thousand dollars for anything, like I'm stoked about that. But like they could have made up any number, right? I mean, like 30,000 sounds a little bit weak, especially when you're run by, like, as you just said, Billy Corgan, Smashing yeah, Pumpkins. Like, at least they're trying to be realistic with 30,000. I know. Gone, if they would have gone like 300,000, I'd be like, listen, yeah, y'all ain't got that money. But, but I mean, I feel like they could have, like, I mean, 50,000, 100,000. I mean, 30 just sounded a little cheap to me. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Cause, cause once again, these, this is a fake number. They could, they could say it was for a million dollars, but, I'm, but no one would believe that. But, um, three, 30, once again, $30,000, that's a lot of money to someone like me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not scoffing at, at, at that extra money, but like, they could have made up any number. Anyways, um, I'm going to say, you know, Hmm. I want to see VIF like really make a run in this thing, but I don't think they'll get past uh La Rebellion. Um, and I don't know if it does the play is the play in for the Briscoes also. Is that how that works? It's just, two it's just a I to be announced. I, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a play in as well. If maybe like the winner gets the lower seed and the loser gets the higher seed. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how that works either. Um, but that said, I don't see either the Rip City Shooters or or VIF getting past a team like Law Rebellion or the Briscoes, as much as I'd like to see something like that. Um, I think Law Rebellion will probably at least make it to the finals. So I'm going to assume we'll have Law Rebellion versus... You know what? I think them versus the Briscoes would be pretty awesome in the finals. Um, and then maybe... It also, I think, depends on how much access they have to the Briscoes going forward. Like, are they going to do more with the NWA? Because if they are, I'd put the tag team titles on them. Um, 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Personally. So um so I'm gonna say the Briscoe brothers win this whole thing. I'm just gonna go with them. Uh I mean the Briscoes are always a good pick. And you're right about the the access to them, and that's one thing I'm probably uh, overlooking is with Ring of Honor coming back. I don't know where the the Briscoes are going. I imagine there's still going to be some type of working relationship with NWA Ring of Honor, and that's why I am kind of looking at OGK as possibly because I think they might stick around NWA a little bit. I could see the Briscoes sticking around a little bit, and that's why I also like uh, Dirty Sexy Boys as as a sleeper because they're both NWA guys, JTG and Danko. I definitely think they win their first round matchup. They'd probably get the Briscoes. Uh, I, I'm assuming the Briscoes are winning their first round matchup. Uh, they get them in the second round, and that's a tough out in the second round. But don't don't sleep on them as the 10 seed. Do not sleep on them as the 10 seed in this thing. Uh, who do you think is going to potentially be Doug Williams' partner? Because it seemed like it was going to be him and Aldis, but then Aldis is getting the, the title shot against Cardona. So now Williams is just without a partner. That's a really good question um, because I, I had forgotten that they are making that switch because it was going to be all this. Is there anyone else from like the British invasion back in the day that would like make, like, I don't, I'm not talking like Rob Terry, like that would be rough. Um, because he's the first one that comes to mind for me would be like Rob, big Rob Terry. Um, but hell it's NWA. I'm going to guess it's just Rob Terry. I don't know what he's doing right I, now. But legitimately. It might be Rob Terry. Yeah. Yeah. Joel Pearl says Colby Carino. I mean, I like the hey. idea that Colby's wrestling. Uh, he's at another level recently. He's uh, I was talking to, to Joseph about him the other day. Colby has really kind of become like that. He, he wrestles very similarly to how Roderick Strong does. Um, and I want to see them wrestle each other sometime uh, in, the, in the future, hopefully. May, uh, Money Marks of the Rose Brothers. Yeah, I'm not going to get my hopes up for that. But like, if they're in this thing, they're winning the whole thing. For sure. Yeah. But Yes. 100%. They, they, should, they should win if they're in it. I don't think there's any chance they're going to be in it. You have any other prediction outside of like Rob Terry, which I just kind of pulled out of my butt here? <laughs> I think I think it could be, and I'm not thrilled with this one, Austin Aries. Oh, uh, yeah. Good. He does a lot of the NWA USA stuff, and yeah, I yeah. can see that maybe, yeah. yeah. He's, but he's got to control his narrative now. I don't know how that's going to be working with his availability. So you know. I mean... I don't know what control your narrative really is going to no. look like or be. So no, I don't think anybody does. I don't think they do. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not sure they do either. Uh, yeah, but I, I do think um, Colby Carino is a is a good is a good shout. Um, I, I, I'm I'm the bar is at Austin Aries for me, so it's a short bar or a low bar. That was an easy joke, right? MJF of promos here. Um, my other spotlight was Jay White turning on Girls of Destiny at Impact No Surrender. This shocked the hell out of me because, you know, Girls of Destiny, specifically Tamatonga, was the one who recruited Jay White into Bullet Club. So for him to turn on them and then now align with Good Brothers, and by aligning with Good Brothers, you're kind of aligning with the Bucks, I was, I was stunned by this one when it comes with Jay White. 
yeah, I, I, uh, I was not expecting it either. And I think that made for an even bigger moment. Um, and it's so strange seeing Tama Tonga get kicked out of the Bullet Club. Like, he is an OG founding member. Like, it was him, Fale, Balor, and uh, Machine Gun. Like, that was the original uh, the original Bullet Club. You okay, Jeremy? You okay? Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I uh, I didn't see it coming. I think that maybe they're, they're setting up for some sort of, like, Team Japan Bullet Club versus, like, kind of the, like, I want to say U.S., but, like, Jay White, you know, isn't technically American, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like a non-Japanese Bullet Club versus the Japanese Bullet Club type of story. Um, But, yeah, I really didn't see it coming at all. And so for that, I'll give them credit. But it's also, like, how how funny is it that this happened in Impact? Like, this is, like, one of the biggest things New Japan has going for them, and it happened in Impact. I mean, Bullet Club hasn't been the same in New Japan really since Jay White has been stateside because he's kind of been the de facto leader. And then if he's not there, it's kind of Tama and Tanga, but they haven't really been there either. So it's a lot of like House of Torture that's been going on in New Japan. And that's Evil's group with like Sho and Dick Togo and Yujiro and all those guys. And like anything but led by Evil ain't good at all. And I think that's kind of where they're at now is – they have, you know, the New Japan, or they have the the Bullet Club with like Jay White, and now I guess Good, Good Brothers are now part of that. I don't know where that leaves Tama and Tango. Like, are they now going to be part of the House of Torture side of things? I don't feel like they like totally fit in with that. Like, it did seem like Tama and Tango were always just going to kind of be Bullet Club, and now I don't know where they're left at. And if if they're out, or if depending on where they're at, like. Who's the leader of Bullet Club? Is it like is it evil? Because that sucks. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Um, I don't think anybody is a. I hate to be that harsh on someone, but I don't know. I don't think anybody is a fan of evil. Like I don't. I haven't seen like one person be like, "It's awesome. He's getting this push. Oh, it's great. They put the title on him. Oh, great. He gets to lead this this faction. Like nobody's excited about this ever." Um, but yeah, it's. It is. It's just very weird with G.O.D. not being a part of it. That's why I kind of feel like it's going to be some sort of like civil war between the two groups. Um, but yeah, I, I, I consider Jay White to be the leader currently. So and, he, and that makes it really interesting because he's popping up so many different places, too. And it also makes me think that there's an outside chance maybe Tony Khan has his hands in this cookie jar a little bit more now. Like he might finally be getting the rights to the bullet club name, which is like possible. Um, Cause if it is, this would make a lot more sense because then they could carry this over into AEW. And now it's like, you have access to Jay white bullet club, the name bullet club, the, the, the t-shirts and all that stuff. Again, you've got Kenny there and Adam Cole there and the bucks and uh, you can bring over the good brothers and all that stuff. And so like, I, I think that, you know, and then Tony Khan keeps teasing this massive announcement. I don't know if I don't know if that's it or if that's like as big of an announcement as people would expect it to be if that was it. But like I've just kind of been thinking about that a little more lately about, you know, just the the whole bullet club, um the whole just kind of everything about the bullet club, just the buzz for it has just really, really diminished over the last few years. But it's possible that they could have a big resurgence with the right, you know, the right stories, the right TV. So like if this was on AEW and they had like, you know, 
a lot of these bullet club members and they, they went back to wearing the t-shirts and trying to sell the merch and all that stuff. They might be able to kind of like bring it back, but, uh, but yeah, it just, it just, but like I said, the strangest thing about all this was one Tama Tonga getting kicked out of the group in particular. And then two that it happened not even on a new Japan show. Oh, that's interesting that you mentioned maybe Tony Khan has gotten the bullet club trademark because like I was saying with new Japan, they've kind of moved away from bullet club stuff it, it it is a lot of house of torture now that that's sort of their their big brand with the, the guys in that group and it's not so much as like bullet club i i think el fantasmo and, and ishimori kind of use bullet club a little bit but it's mainly like the house of torture stuff that they're doing and bullet club has always been at least the, this current version has always been you know tama tanga uh bad luck folly and, and jay white that's kind of been the the de facto bullet club and that's taking a hit with three three of those guys in america and the other one just not really doing anything so maybe you're onto something with tony khan getting this bullet club trademark because he is teaming or teasing something that's like a big otherworldly announcement and i don't know what that could be a lot of people are speculating that it's like the the roh maybe he's got ROH, uh the roh tape library or something to do with them but if he gets the bullet club trademark that's pretty big considering bullet club the, you know, those four guys were a big reason why we have AEW as well. Like Cody, Kenny, Bucks were Bullet Club at that time. And that's a big reason why we have AEW. Tamba and Tanger are going back to New Japan. They're going to compete in the New Japan Cup. So I don't know when they're going to follow up this angle because they're, I assume they're back there now. They've already traveled back considering the, the New Japan Cup starts this upcoming week and you're going to have to quarantine and everything when it comes to Japan. So they're going back to Japan uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get a real follow-up to this, at least on American television anytime soon. And maybe it is a thing of like, they just leave it uh, where it's at now. And then they, they go to Japan, they continue House of Torture, and we do get Bullet Club and AEW, uh, thanks to Tony Khan. Yeah, I think it's totally possible, especially with everyone knowing that Tama Tonga recently re-signed. I know you just said that like he's heading back to Japan, but not just that, he's like, he's back there for years again so like it's um and uh someone in the chat just said that they already taped a follow-up i'm sure we'll get some sort of follow-up on impact but like who knows how long that goes for especially if they need to go back to japan soon so like um yeah i just i mean maybe maybe a little food for thought maybe something to keep in mind that like maybe some of this might be bleeding over into to aew because a big reason why i have this kind of thought process is that jay white's been popping up on aew so like there's clearly interest from tony khan to be using jay white and they're really positioning him him as like the whole key to kind of the forbidden door and the bullet club and all this stuff and because he's everywhere everybody's popping up so um so yeah pretty pretty interesting times for for the bullet club for sure they they did take a follow-up and i assume that'll air next week um but then they have Impact Sacrifice also next week. That's on Saturday. And Jay White's already got his match against Alex Shelley. So they're doing a match on television. It involves other people. It's not like a – I don't want to spoil too much, but it's not the blow-off you might think that it would be a blow-off for the angle that they shot. So, I again, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not the follow-up you – it's not the long-term follow-up you think they're going to do, and they're not going to be able to do a long-term follow-up right now because uh, Tam and Tanker are going back to New Japan. So, yes, there there is a follow-up, but it 
it's probably not what you would hope for given what this angle would, would seem to be considering Jay White's position in, in Bullet Club and Tama and Tanga's position in Bullet Club and the way this angle played out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see where uh, where this all winds up winds up going. And I'll say this. This is the most interesting the most interested I've been in the Bullet Club in general in like a couple of years. So Yeah. Uh Indie Spotlight. We're gonna we're gonna start with yours, and that is Cole Raderick doing a death match. Now I don't know too much about this. This was this is your indie spotlight, and I'm gonna have you set this up, but I watched this match and explain to me kind of explain to me and our audience like kind of who Cole is and why this death match was was so important. So yes, my indie spotlight was, you know, I'm a big Cole Radrick fan. He's a guy who's been really big. Uh, we're getting bigger and bigger on the indie scene, uh, especially out of areas like Indiana, but I know him a lot from the Southeast companies like action stuff, SCI, all that kind of stuff. He's really been all over the place. Um, and he's, He's a guy who, like, I'd consider to be, some people don't like hearing this, but, like, I mean, this is a compliment. He's probably the most improved wrestler I've seen over the last, like, four years or so. Someone going from, like, okay to, like, really, 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 like, figuring out, like, what works best for him. And he's just a great in-ring wrestler. Like, bell to bell, he is, I, I think his uh, his mechanics and everything, as a non-wrestler, just as a fan, you know, I, I think that, he just, he's just a really, really good at like the art of professional wrestling, but he's also like very undersized. He's a smaller guy. He looks very unassuming. Like you see him and he just looks like just like this normal dude. You would never expect he's like this professional wrestler and all this stuff, but he's really proven himself in a lot of different scenarios over the last few years, doing stuff like Paradigm Pro, which is like the UWFI rules type stuff, the, the mixed martial arts kind of hybrid work shoot type stuff. Um, and then just grinding the indies, like everywhere and he's become a pretty regular face in gcw as of late as well um and he's really earned it he's a guy who, who travels all over the country drives all over the place puts in the miles and just wins the respect of the fans he's the kind of guy that if you've never seen him before you might not get much of a reaction but by the end of his match you want to see him come back to your promotion and uh, that's one of the biggest compliments i can give someone on the indies so i'm a huge fan of cole but for him to go into this match, he'd never done a death match before. And he wrestled Orrin Veidt, who's very well known in the death match scene. And Cole went out there. And I just wanted to, to have him as my spotlight this week because, for one, I want people to go seek out his stuff because he's a great wrestler and more people need to know about him. And I think he will be a pretty big name going forward in GCW and other places. But he, you know, it's almost like this, uh, it sounds strange. And people, people who know, who know will understand what I'm saying, but others, it might sound strange. It's almost like a baptism in ways for certain guys when like they go into the, like they have their first death match. And then it's like things just change for them. Cause it's like, now you've, you've, you've unlocked this whole other side of wrestling that you can be a part of now. Um, another guy who's from kind of the same area, Hoodfoot Mo Atlas. He recently did this a few months ago and he's been doing death matches ever since. And now he's like main eventing big GCW shows doing death matches. Um, so it's one of those things where Cole went out there. I thought he did great in the match. He bled like crazy. His back yeah. was a mess, but yeah. he showed that he was a psycho. He took one of the broken light tubes and cut himself across the chest and the fans were going crazy for it. 
I'm not going to stand here and say like I'm the biggest fan of self mutilation and these kind of things, right? Like there there is a screw loose with a lot of this stuff. Like I'm gonna like there just is, but there is an audience for that, and he had that audience going. And not only that, he beat Orin Knight, which is like a big win in your first death match. So Cole really just showed a lot of layers to himself in that, and he he's gonna really expand his fan base based off of it. And now people know, and he knows himself. It's like man, if we need someone to jump in there for a big, a big death match, like a high profile death match, we know Cole can go in this scenario. And now, and now it's just going to open it up to now. Now, not only is Cole going to be good to go for work, shoot hybrid style, you know, uh, paradigm pro type stuff, but he's also ready to go for death matches. He's ready to go for technical matches. Like you can use him in so many different variety of ways that, uh, yeah, I wanted to shout that out. Good, good for Cole Radrick. I thought, I thought he had a pretty big breakout moment this past weekend doing that death match. Again, I don't know too much about Cole Radrick outside of the like limited stuff I've seen him on on GCW. When I when I catch when I catch full shows, if I don't catch a full show, I'll only kind of watch what I've been told to watch. Um, so I've seen him very limited capacity. I'm not a death match person. I like when Nick Gage does it because I've just I found a connection with nick gage um anyone else i it's tough for me to watch that kind of stuff but i'm not saying i fully enjoyed this match and i'm going to watch a bunch of death matches now but i will say that the crowd was definitely into this match the crowd was definitely into his side and i had a feeling and, and commentary mentioned a little bit i had a feeling that like he wasn't he clearly wasn't like a death match guy and this was sort of a uh, like you said, like a right to passage for him and a breakout moment for him doing this and showing a different side of him and doing this match. So I was behind it from, from that sense as well. Of like, all right, I know this guy is sort of out of his element and he's out there to like prove himself in this environment now. So I was behind him from that. Again, not my cup of tea, but bless these guys for doing the shit that they do. Yeah, when he took that light tube and maimed himself with it across the chest, there was the spot with the ladder where the chandelier was swinging, which was uh, <laughs> which was a little scary. I was hoping someone was going to just hang from the chandelier and do something off of that. Uh, but it, it, you know, those guys are crazy, and I can't say I can't say anything about it because I certainly wouldn't be doing that shit. Um, but the, the crowd loves it, man. It does. They, the crowd, especially the GCW crowd, they love it and bless them. That's all I can say, but good on Cole Radrick for, for doing this. And I will, I will look for more of his stuff moving forward because if, you know, if he's willing to do this kind of stuff, I owe it to him to just check out like some of his regular matches, but not where he's not having to, to mutilate himself. Cause he was a wreck in this match. And one thing I do just like, I find a, a almost twisted humor in when it comes to death matches, the way they just like casually break these light tubes across each <laughs> <Barely>. other. Like, <laughs> Casually hits him with it. Like, it's just nothing. Like, you know, you, you see the little, like, uh, the, the horny bonk. You just bonk him on the head. Yeah. Like, for being, like, that's how he hits him with light tubes. Just like, yep, bonk. Just like, that's how they break these light tubes on each other. It's it's so casual and carefree with this. And I'm just like, are, what? My God. Like, you guys are insane. Bless them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely, you got to be built a little different to, to yeah. put yourself through that, but kind of to your, uh, to almost answer one of your questions here, just to set for that you just brought up literally the day right before also on a GCW show, cause they ran uh, Saturday and Sunday this past week um, on the, the show that was on Saturday, Cole Roderick and Billy Starks had a great, just one-on-one match. So like, if you want like a full kind of, 
you know, kind of a, I, I'm, I'm blanking on a lot of words. Yeah, spectrum. Thank you. If you want a whole, kind of a full, full spectrum on him, you can watch him have just like a great regular wrestling match against Billy Starks, and then you can watch him have a death match against Warren Vite. And I thought he knocked it out of the park on both shows. Um, the guy is super active. He's wrestling every weekend. He wrestles multiple times a weekend. Um, as, a, as a lot of these wrestlers do, it isn't just him, but uh, I wanted to spotlight him this week because once again, he's just a guy that I feel like not enough people talk about, but who's going to, he just, he's poised to break out and he's already in the process of it. But, and then there's also the whole other side of this too, where like, I'm not going to sit here and say like Cole Radrick needed to do this death match to get over or to like have a spot, you know, in GCW or in independent wrestling or just wrestling in general. Um, because I think he's ultra talented. I don't think he needed to do this, but I think it just adds to his arsenal of more things he can do. And there are wrestlers out there that I, I will say, like, I think they do need to do death matches to stay over. Um, and a lot of wrestlers absolutely hate hearing that. And I would never say that. To, I would never use that as an insult against somebody. But there are certain limitations certain wrestlers have where they just don't move around quite as well. They're not quite as athletic. Whatever the reason is. And but they can be gods on the on the deathmatch scene, and I have nothing against them doing that. But like Cole Radrick, it just it's just one of those things. Like had he never done this, I think he would have still um, become a big a big star in wrestling. But I think he's going to get there a lot faster because he is doing this now. And, and it's very comparable once again to Hoodfoot. Hoodfoot was in a similar position where he was he was grinding the indies. A lot of people knew about him, but he was still really really under the radar. Then he started doing these death matches in GCW. And all of a sudden, and he was doing a couple on on the indies as well. He had a re- some really good ones in uh in Chattanooga, Tennessee recently on IWTV. But now he's being known as like this go-to guy for death matches. So like I think just his progression has just sped up a lot because he's doing this now also. So so yeah, shout out to Cole Roderick. GCW's got a show uh tomorrow night as well. That's the the big uh Sean Waltman return return match teaming with Joey Janela against uh, Cardona and, and Myers. And there's an interview with Sean Waltman right now on youtube.com slash fightful. So everybody can check that out. Sean Waltman and uh, Sean Ross Sapp. And uh, the final spotlight is mine when it comes to the Indies and it's Terminus. Terminus two is tonight. Steven Jensen will be there. If you're going to, if you're going to be there, say hello to Steven Jensen. I'm sure vape pen with you. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry if a, I just. A very legal vape pen, a very yes, legal in obviously. the state of Georgia vape pen. Yes. Obviously. Uh, uh, Terminus 2 is tonight. I, we're not going to run down the card or anything. I just want to kind of give a, an overall thoughts on, on Terminus because when they announced this, I was very excited because it's Jonathan Gresham and I love anything that man does. But then when they you know, announced the rules and how like, hey, this is a DQ. We're going to enforce all of this stuff. This is how you win. We're going to keep track of records and everything. I thought the concept was great because it is very sports-based, sports-focused and like if, if you listen to any Jonathan Gresham interview, you can you can listen to the one that uh, I did with him. You can listen to the one that, that Sean did with him. But you listen to Gresham talk about like just his philosophy when it comes to wrestling. You can see this is what he wants to do in his promotion and how it is just like clash of styles, uh, but really enforcing the rules of wrestling so people have something they can get behind and identify with. Because if you're just doing DQs or everybody looks stupid, it's like, okay, why am I cheering for this person? So I, I love the first Terminus show, technical issues aside, which hopefully that, that is all cleaned up this time around. I thought the first show was great. I'm really looking forward to the show tonight. Uh, Santana against Gresham, I think that match is going to kick all kinds of ass swerve. As we mentioned, he's going to be on the show. Um, it's him and Davey like, Richards. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, like they, I think they have, I think it's going to be another great show. And I just love the concept overall of Terminus. And I don't know how long it's going to last. It seems like, like the first one wasn't that long ago. I didn't think they were going to hold monthly events. And now it seems like they're on path to hold monthly events. A lot will depend on Gresham and where, what happens with ROH and then what he decides to do after that. I hope Terminus is, is here to stay though, because I absolutely love the concept and I love that they are getting into the sport and the, the sort of the X's and O's of wrestling. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. And, and kind of regardless of what happens with Gresham, I think as long as Baron Black is still involved, they'll still be able to be all right and yeah. do what they're doing. Um, but Gresham's obviously, I mean, you want him if you're Terminism, obviously. Um, as as everywhere should want Jonathan Gresham. He's one of the best yeah. technical wrestlers in the world. Um, Serena Deeb's on the show. I am a huge Serena Deeb fan, so like I cannot wait to see her live. I'm actually the most excited to see her of anybody on the show. Um, I'm such a big fan. Um, you know, the, and you even talking about the rules and kind of the difference in um, presentation and everything about the way Terminus does their matches and everything is even to, I, I know I talked about this after the original term Terminus event, which I was I was live at that as well. And during this, this is a good example of kind of the point. Moose versus Mike Bennett. That match ended because Moose threw Mike Bennett over the top rope twice. And that was the only time you saw anyone go over the top rope the entire show. So when you saw Mike Bennett hit the ground, like kind of like head first hitting the ground, it was like brutal. It was like, damn, that would really, really hurt. Because like we aren't seeing people doing dives over the ropes all show. We aren't seeing people do all this like superhuman stuff that like I can never explain how wrestlers I see MLJ talk about this a lot me and him talked about it on a podcast once MLJ of course from from Game Changer Wrestling and just all over the indies he was like sometimes I just sit back and really think about how like these people are superhuman like like when you really think about it, they're out there like killing each other with like these weapons and these moves and they just like get up and do it again the next night. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense when you really think about it, how people's bodies can hold up like this, but going through what they're going through. And I, I just think that Terminus was just a really cool way of presenting wrestling. Like I said, something as little as seeing someone get over the throne, thrown over the top rope, which is such a thing you see so often, but if you only see it once for an entire show, it really stands out and it really looks brutal. Um, I love that they're giving guys like Adam Priest a, chan a chance. He's the same kind of guy who's in a similar boat, boat to like a Cole Radrick where he's an undersized guy, but really, really technically sound. And he's done great in the Southeast. He's done great in particular in Alabama for uh, for New South. Um, but Adam Priest is another guy. Like he's going to be on the show against Invictus Cash. That's, that's a really good matchup against two guys who are just kind of flying a little under the radar, but can really break out with performances on, on high profile shows like Terminus. Um, Trey Lamar is another one that can really break. He, he's been on the verge of breaking out for a minute. I think yeah. Trey Lamar is like, he's right there. Um, and these kind of shows can put him over the top. So it's like, and then even a guy like Santana, who we usually see as a tag team wrestler, he's been doing more singles matches lately. And in my opinion, the more uh, diversified you can get, the better with your own skill set. So, like, if you're mainly a tag team wrestler, I think it only benefits you to also prove you can be on your own too. Cause that doesn't mean you have to break up him and Ortiz. It just means there's more opportunity for Santana to also do stuff in singles wrestling. Like it just, it just opens up opportunity. It doesn't mean you have to, it, like, I think that a lot of people get kind of boxed in with the way certain companies present stuff. And they're like, if you're a tag team wrestler, you're a tag team wrestler. If you're a cruiserweight, you're a cruiserweight. If you're, if you're this, you're that. It's like, 
no, a lot of these guys and girls and non-binary, everyone in between, like all these, they're, they, they're capable of doing all this stuff. And Santana got a massive pop at Terminus last time because we had no idea he was there. And it was like, what, what's Santana doing here? And he's by himself, no Ortiz, and he's calling out Gresham. We're going to get Gresham versus Santana one-on-one. I had no idea I wanted that, but I really want that. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, man. And then he mentioned it too. Shane Strickland, he's going to be wrestling Davey Richards. That's a dream match right there. Um, so, I mean, this, this card top to bottom is, this is a stacked show. Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood are, are, are doing a tag team tonight. I mean, this is, and both those guys are, are, um, are Buffalo, New York guys that have been wrestling together for like forever. And Blackwood's on the verge of, of, he's right there on the cusp of breaking out too. So there's a lot of people on this show that are right there and more and more people watch Terminus, more and more people get eyes on these talents. You mix it in with the people, people already know, and it benefits everybody. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to be there tonight, man. I got to drive probably like 45 minutes to an hour to get to the show, but it'll be totally worth it. I, I very much look forward to watching it on, on fight TV again, hopefully the technical issues have been calmed. I, I think Baron black did it in an interview with uh, our guy, Andrew Thompson of post wrestling. And he said that they, they're going to get all those sorted out. Hope that's the case because I love the, the concept. I love the presentation of it. And I hope for as long as it, it's going to run, I hope it succeeds because it is something different in wrestling and it is, it is, it is back to the sport of wrestling and it is less sports entertainment style and, and get back to just here's these great matches, but within these great matches, you're going to, you're going to be able to follow a story. And within the overall arc of the promotion, you're going to be able to follow a story. Uh, so be- best of luck to, to Baron Black, Jonathan Gresham as they run Terminus 2 tonight. Jensen, I hope you have a great time at the show tonight as well. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, and like Jeremy said, and like I said earlier, if you are going to the show tonight, please come say hi because I'll be there by myself. Um, I'll just be hanging out, just like taking pictures of the venue and maybe you know saying what's up to some wrestlers, maybe getting a couple quotes here and there that I can tell y'all about here on this show. Just maybe some things that they tell me about, you know, whatever they want to talk about. I'm not, I'm not going there and doing like full interviews. I don't have like a camera team or anything, but I will. Um, I will at the very least talk to a few wrestlers and hopefully get you guys a little bit of cool information that I can talk about here that I can talk about on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. And, uh, and like, I'll, and like I said, at the very least, I'll get some pictures of the show tonight of the wrestlers and some of the matches. So, um, so make sure to, to be following me on Twitter and then also following the Fightful Wrestling account because uh, usually they'll like retweet the stuff that I'm taking pictures for there. So um, those would probably be good ways to kind of see kind of my my point of view from where i'm at on at a terminus tonight uh, we've kind of got some breaking news here that i feel like we sort of got to talk about um cesaro has exited this is from pw insider so cesaro has quietly exited from WWE after his current contract expired uh apparently the two sides negotiated come come to a new new agreement and he is a free agent and because there was you know his contract expiration he's a no 90 days or anything so kind of show up Anywhere at any time. Um, uh, PW Insider, I assume. <laughs> Jensen is uh, very excited about Let's this. Let's go. Um, this is true. I am very excited about that. Man, you should show up at Terminus tonight. Yeah. So, it, I, yeah, I, PW Insider is, is typically reputable on this stuff. So, I assume it's true. I, I just asked Sean if uh, he has any any confirmation he did it does feel like he just resigned like last year and i can't imagine it was a one-year deal so i don't that that is what hold that's what holding me up as well is that if he did resign not too long ago and it's 
highly unlikely that he resigned on a one-year deal. So uh, we will see. We will see if uh, there's there's more to this. If if Sean knows anything, or if um, yeah, we'll see if there's more to it. But for right now, this is what PW Insider is saying. So if they're wrong, they're wrong. Um, but man, if look if Cesaro's out there roaming around as a free agent, probably another guy going to AEW. Honestly. Well, unquestionably, that's like that's a no-brainer. He's heading yeah. straight to AEW if he's if he's free. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see if this is true or not. Because what you just said, I highly doubt, like you do, that that they would do a one-year deal for him. Um, but at the same time, if it was a longer deal, you know, and that's the double-edged sword of these WWE contracts is like, even if he did like a three-year deal or something, that doesn't mean that they just decided to move on from him because they just just don't view him as a star and they want to spend their money on trying to get guys like Steve Austin back. You know what I mean? So like, um, you know, but that, but it would also be frustrating too. If like they let him out of his contract and all these sitting there, like, like, come on y'all. Like what the hell? Like I'm trying, I'm, I'm actively trying to get out of this deal and y'all aren't letting me out. Um, I, I hate that about their contracts, by the way, that it's that, that the WWE can cut you and not owe you the rest of your money on your deal, but you can't quit. Yeah. So, like, at least in AEW, like, Tony's paying people he's not using on TV. They're still getting the money that they for the amount of time that they signed for, like, like you would in any other sports contract. But, um, but yeah, I'll just say this. Um, until I see, like, until I see Sean, I'll just say it. Until I see Sean say it. The same, it's the same with MMA news. Until I see, like, Ariel Hawani say it. There's certain guys, like, I'm waiting to see them say this stuff. If Sean confirms that news and Cesaro is a free agent, like that is massive for AEW and just all other wrestling. Cause he's, I mean, he's been probably, I bet you, if you asked a hundred WWE fans, who's the most underused guy in the WWE, probably at least like 90 would say Cesaro. Yeah. I mean, he, he's won that award in like the observer for about 13 years now. Um, and Say Sean just confirmed it in the chat. Uh, I, Sean might have tweeted it. Sean did tell me it was like good to run as a story, which means if he's telling me it's good to run, then it means it's it's good to run. Usually, if there's if there's more, then he would tell me. JJ saying that uh, just confirmed it. So yeah, he tweeted confirmation. There you go. Again, he told me it was good to run, which means he feels it's good enough to run, and there's not more to to look into it. So there you go. Cesaro apparently a free agent. Wow, that's huge. That is huge. I mean, that he's a guy who, like, no offense to anybody else coming into AEW, like, Cesaro is immediately AEW world title picture, in my opinion. Like, you put him right in the main event and let him actually go out and show what he's been able to do for all these years that the WWE just wasn't letting him do. Didn't he beat Seth Rollins clean at Mania last year, and they just did nothing after that with him? Yeah, he got the world title shot against... Um... Right. Against Roman, but really after the Roman feud, just nothing. Absolutely. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. Good for Cesaro, too. Like, I mean, I'm I'm not happy that, like, you know, he's out of a job at the moment, but, like, he's not going to be a free agent for a while. He'll probably sign tonight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Guys, we're going to go to our creator spotlight with our our pal um, Chris Mueller from from Bleacher Reports. As usual, I'm going to take five hours to pull this up here. (laughs) Um, how long was yeah, this one? About it, 20 minutes or so? I can't remember. Yeah, we went 20 about 20 minutes, minutes yeah. with Chris. Okay, cool. Um, perfect. Yeah, the Cesaro news we had to we had to touch on it like that. Typically, we don't have breaking news in the middle of our show, so 
Cesaro spotlighting Cesaro being a free agent now. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, guys, here's our interview with uh, Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report. Welcome back to our creator spotlight. Today we have from Bleacher Report, the doctor, Chris Mueller. Chris, are you actually a doctor? Uh, no, I, I like to preface that in my profile on Twitter by saying I'm not a doctor. I just play one in my head. <laughs> it's like, uh, um, y'all see the Tiger King? Yes. Uh, like, like Dr. Antle. I was like, oh, doctor. yeah, Dr. Antle. Like, you yeah. know, or, uh, or uh, Dr. Mantis Toboggan. That's my favorite doctor from, from all these <laughs> Why yeah. why why did you pick Doctor? Like why did you why did you go with this? This is the, the most important scoop we're gonna get this entire interview is why you decided to go with the doctor nickname. I did tell this story on Twitter a few years ago. When I was like seven, uh there was this girl who moved into my neighborhood, a uh, Polish girl, and barely spoke any English, and she'd somehow made friends with another one of the girls in the neighborhood, and so we were all hanging out and doing something, climbing a tree or whatever. And uh, she fell and busted up her knee real bad. And her parents were like at work. She was kind of like a latchkey kid that was just <laughs> roaming the neighborhood. And so I actually like knew a little first aid. So I cleaned her up and <laughs> like bandaged her up. And from that point forward, she started calling me Doctoro, which was her way of saying doctor in her weird accent. And um, I don't know why, like years later, it just like popped back up and I was like, I'm just going to use this for bleacher report again. <laughs> oh, it's cause I, it's cause I ran into her like 15 years later in college and she recognized me and I hadn't seen her since we were like eight years old. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So, so the nickname started when you were eight years old, as you were saved a little Polish girl's knee from, you know, potential disaster. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome actually uh, yeah, her, her parents her parents were like super thankful and came over and like told my parents they were really proud of me for helping their daughter <laughs> uh chris let everyone know sort of what you what you do with bleacher report because you do you do interviews you do podcasts but let everyone know your your role when it comes to bleacher report and in the wrestling landscape um, I think my official title is featured columnist. I'm not sure if we really have the titles anymore, but um, yeah, I basically just cover all things WWE and AEW. I do pretty much all the AEW interviews. Um, and then we have a guy, Graham Matthews. He does all our WWE interviews. Uh, although I'm sure you guys saw it. Phil just published a piece where he had some comments from AEW stars about the Who We Are album. That was a great article. I encourage everybody to go read that. Um, but yeah, you know, so I, I've been doing that for, I think, October like 21st or something was my 13-year anniversary with Bleacher Report. I couldn't believe it. Wow. That's really impressive, like, to have that kind of long longevity in this kind of thing where people, like, jump around so often. Uh, kind of like, uh, you know, company to company for like writers and video editors and that kind of stuff. 13 years is a long time. What, what were you doing before Bleacher Report? Uh, management and sales. I worked for <laughs> I worked for U.S. Cellular. Oh, dude. I'm right here. I worked for AT&T and T-Mobile before I got into all this. Oh, yeah. I, yep. I, I did the AT&T and T-Mobile with other companies, too. I, I actually I started doing cell phone stuff back in 2002 when it was voice stream. Yeah, when it was wow. Catherine Zeta Jones doing all the cell phone commercials and all that. Yeah, so I spent 
about 12 years in the mobile phone industry. And when U.S. Cellular sold the Chicago market to Sprint, we were I was just out of a job. And I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of pick up some more writing stuff other places. And then over time, I was able to kind of just focus solely on Bleacher Report. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I I'm I have a lot of similarities there, so I, I I know what that what that was like coming from like the uh like the high. I, I'm sure it was the same for you, like high stress metrics, uh, like just you know sales numbers and <clears throat> percentages and just and, oh yeah yeah and just like that world is so different. To, and then to transition into something you actually really uh really enjoy and are passionate about, that's awesome, man. I mean, I, I honestly don't think I could go back to that. It was, yeah. it was truly draining the life out of me. And I give all the credit in the world for people who do those kind of jobs for their entire life because working on commission and never knowing, like, because you can be the best salesman in the world, but you can't sell to people who don't walk through the door. So if you're having a slow month, you're having a slow month, you know, you're, you're eating boxed mac and cheese every night or ramen or whatever yeah and, and you've got some dude behind you with like a clipboard like making sure you're asking all the right questions and like can you well, that optimizing was your that sales? was me well no I that was, became, yeah. me as well. oh, no, became me too i i know i i i i turned to the dark side as well i i got into the management side too and then i became that guy and that's around the time that i started like trying to get out of it i was like what am i yeah. doing like this is not this isn't fun i made good money as i'm sure you did too but it's like who really cares if you like hate your life most of the week you know what i mean oh yeah i i remember uh that was actually believe it or not my first experiences really doing any writing outside of like school work in college was there i started a newsletter for our company because i didn't work directly for us cellular i worked for an agent sure. so it was it was called uh what was it cellular advantage and I had started a newsletter for the whole company that they just like had me keep going with. And that ended up like kind of just giving me a little bit of practice and learning about formatting and just all that kind of stuff. And cause I was never like, man, if I go back and read some of the stuff I had written in like high school, I'd be embarrassed. You know, like I was not somebody who ever looked at myself as a, as a potential writer until much later. Like I look at somebody like, like Jay shell, she's so young and no, already has like experience and knows what she wants to do. And man, when I was that age, I was such a screw up and you know, it's so cool to see people like that coming up in our community and everybody's, you know, supporting them and everything. It's been awesome. Uh, with the sales, we, we all did sales. I'd worked in, uh, I sold like pool tables and hot tubs, hated it, ended up getting fired, but just absolutely hated it. And like I did writing on the side. And then once I get fired, I was like, well, I'm just going to throw myself into this writing stuff. Now, unfortunately, it uh, it worked out. Uh, Chris, tell us about one of your worst interviews you've ever done. Oh, I'm just going to have man. you bury people. Just bury some of these WWE people. Well, here's the thing. So for WWE, I've only ever interviewed four people uh it was rob schamberger their resident artist 
Mm-hmm. I've interviewed him a couple times. We've done some podcasts together. He's a great guy. I love Rob. Um, I encourage everybody to go follow him just because you'll get some awesome artwork in your timeline every day. But I, uh, I talked to three people from the last season of Tough Enough. So it was Mata, Alex Freaky, who was like one of the first couple of people eliminated, and then Daria, who's now Sonia. Mm-hmm. And I would say, even though Mata was like a nice guy, he just didn't seem like he was interested in being interviewed. Even though he like was all about it when I asked him about it, it didn't seem like he thought about answers ahead of time, even though I kind of told him like what we would be talking about. But honestly, I don't think I've ever had a bad interview. Like I saw that video Sean posted with, (laughs) with Virgil. I've never had anything close to that. Like all my interviews with AEW people have been uh, like anything from just like a standard interview to a really fun conversation. Like, Ruby Soho is one of the coolest people I've talked to. Eddie Kingston was, it was just like talking to a regular dude. You know, I didn't feel like he was giving me canned prepared answers. I feel like he was just listening to the question and then answering honestly. So yeah, I've had really good experiences with my interviews. I've been fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. So I guess on the flip side, who have been, um, so you've had some of your worst and some of your best outside. Like, what about like outside of AEW and WWE? Have, have you had a chance to like, I mean, over 13 years, I'm sure you've talked to like non-wrestlers or maybe other people kind of involved in wrestling. Is there any other interviews that like really stand out to you? Uh, actually, yeah. So after I had interviewed Brian Danielson, Skylar Gray, the musician, reached out to me and was like, hey, oh. Elliot Taylor, my fiance, wrote this song. We composed it would you like to talk about it? So uh, for uh, Graham Matthews channel, Wrestle Rant, we ended up interviewing Elliot and then we ended up interviewing Skylar because separately she had composed and recorded the end credit song for the second Venom movie. So we were speaking to her about Venom and just music in general. But yeah, Elliot uh, and Skylar were both awesome people, really fun to talk to. Elliot is going to be dropping the full version of Brian Danielson's theme song here soon with vocals and everything. So people should definitely be on the lookout for that. He he texted me about that recently. He was re- he's really excited about it. Very cool. I wanted to ask you about that because I remember I listened to that when when I saw that it happened because you said that they talked about Danielson interview or Danielson song. She's like, I was hung over, got a message. Do you want to record this? Yeah. What a tremendous story. <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, you can just tell that both of them are really talented musicians. When you, yeah. when you listen to them talk about the process when they're like, Oh yeah. So yeah, we wanted to incorporate that flight of the Valkyries thing, but we couldn't find a recording we liked. So Skylar just went in and composed it herself in the software. And it's like, what? Like to me as a non-musical person that blows my mind, you know, like I, I have no musical ability whatsoever. So when I hear somebody be like, oh yeah, Skylar can play all these different instruments and she can just go in and, and compose a new version of this iconic song. It, it's crazy to me. Uh, when, with your interviews. So one thing you like to do, which I always love is the, the movie 
reviews. And I remember, I'll say you yelled at me. You didn't actually yell at me. But when we first started, <laughs> when we first started talking uh, and stuff, first you called me out because I didn't uh, add the... I didn't add your your authoring name, which that was, that was well. Crazy. All right, let's. <laughs> I didn't call you out. <laughs> I know. I know. You, you handled it well. I've had people actually like call me out and be like, "Well, you didn't do this proper credit and this transcription and stuff." And like a lot of times, it's just like, "Look, this we did everything by the book and stuff." You're just an idiot. No, uh, I've but, I, I've done the same exact thing. Like it just happens sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not about to tear down another dude in my <laughs> field so yeah you know i just i i shot sean a quick message and then when you messaged me back and like you know thank me for handling it that way you know we've been sort of chatting ever since yes you you did handle it the right way of just like hey go to go to me directly go to sean and we'll, we'll get it squared away the people there are people who will go and put it on like public social media and try to like make it yeah. this big deal when it, when it's really not like it's an oversight. Um, but one thing you again, yelled at me about was like when you interviewed sting and you asked them about, <laughs> and you're like, I thought more people were going to pick up like the thunder and paradise and the RoboCop stuff. And I was like, I got you, I got you on the thunder and paradise. But you ask these wrestlers about like their, their movies, like a movie they had just watched. Like, how did that come about where you're like, Hey, what's the movie you just watched? Like review it for me. You know, I, I don't remember who it was. It might have been it might have been Chris Van Fleet. I can't remember, but I watched an interview and they asked somebody just like a completely random question that was totally unrelated to whatever they were promoting. And it ended up just leading to like a couple of minutes of just a really good conversation and good answers. And I'm like, I need to come up with something to get these people to not talk about wrestling for a minute and kind of just give fans a little bit of a peek into what their personality might be. And it's amazing when you look at these people, some of them are talking about movies you would not have thought. Like when I spoke to Adam page, the movie that he talked about was this movie called uncle Frank, which is, I highly recommend it. Cause I went and watched it after he talked about it. It's great. It's like Paul Bettany is this, closeted gay man in the 70s whose father outs him in his will out of spite it is this really heavy but incredibly well-told story and like you look at adam page and you're like oh that guy's gonna tell you to go watch a hand or a fistful of dollars or like you know yeah. a cowboy movie and he's telling me about how he was crying on an airplane watching this movie you know, and then you have Jade Cargill talking about her love for Nightmare Before Christmas because she thinks she's a morbid person. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a really cool way to kind of peek into their personality a little bit and just see something other than the character we're presented with on television. I love that. And, and any other ones that come out or stick, stick out to you that you got for answers for movies? Because that's actually that's all, that's right up Jeremy's boat too. the whole like wrestlers movies crossover connection and stuff. I, I like like chris is like they do so many interviews and they're talking about wrestling in all of these interviews and so you know when we interview interview people just i'm like what kind of music do you like listen to what kind of movies do you do you listen to or do you listen to, do you watch because yeah like give fans a peek of just hey talk about this match talk about this wrestling stuff like they got plenty of wrestling stories to tell but I feel like it, this is the case with me. And I mean, Jensen, you do the grassy dudes and stuff. Like mm -hmm. we don't always just want to be talking about wrestling, you know, and, and Chris, same way. Like you do, you do the Marvel podcast. Like we don't always just want to be talking about wrestling. And I imagine wrestlers kind of feel the same way Is like, they talk about wrestling plenty, ask them sometimes about non-wrestling stuff. 
So let, let me let me re reframe my question. If you for part A and part B, part A, if you have any others that stick out that people have brought up to you, and then part B, what is the most recent movie you watched, Chris? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, part A, um, it still cracks me up to this day that Brian Danielson put over the movie Wish Dragon, which is like some random kids movie on Netflix. Because he's like, I'm a dad. I don't watch movies anymore. And then he yeah. thought about it. He's like, actually, wait. I did really like this one movie I watched with my daughter. Um, so that one cracked me up. And as far as the last movie that I personally watched was for a podcast, I actually just recorded with Kate recently. Uh, that Thing You Do. We I went back and rewatched that for, God, probably like the 20th time in my life or something. Um, so, yeah, that was super fun. But, yeah, I do like talking to people in the wrestling space about things other than wrestling. And that's why I've tried to get a lot of different people on Graham's YouTube channel for the Marvel podcast. Cause I always hear it. The same thing from people in wrestling media, whenever we bring them on, which is just like, Oh, it's going to be nice to talk about something other than wrestling. <laughs> like yeah. we just had Rafael Garcia on for the Spider-Man no way home review that we did. It was great. I know you guys have invited me on, and I don't watch any of the Marvel. <laughs> Steven, yeah, you a Marvel so. fan? You want to come on, dude? I'm, I'm, I am not. I'm. It's not that I dislike it. I just haven't taken like that deep dive into like all the movies and stuff. But I saw I like the, I saw the original Iron Man and really liked it. Like I remember seeing that in theaters in college, and uh, I really, really liked the first Guardians of the, Guardians of the Galaxy movie a lot. Um, I didn't like the second one as much, but I loved the first one. So I, 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 there's a little bit I can talk about there, but I, I don't have like the deepest, deepest knowledge on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. I, I don't hold it against anybody for not liking those movies because even I recognize that they're very formulaic. You can kind of fall into these patterns of they all end with a big fight scene and a, a faceless horde of enemies that the good guys can rip through and you don't feel guilty about it. You know, it's yeah. The putty patrol. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm tight. I'm titling this interview. Chris Miola buries the Marvel universe. Oh God. Just... No. <laughs> oh man. It's it. funny because I do love Marvel, but like, I'm not going to sit there and say anything that's not true. It's, you know, it, it can be repetitive, but I, I do think that post end game, it's all been super interesting to me. Like WandaVision is one of the best things I've seen in years. And that's because I grew up on Nick at Night sitcoms, watching those after I was supposed to be asleep, like, you know, Lucy and Desi, Dick Van Dyke, Cheers, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I loved WandaVision. I love all that Marvel stuff. I'm, I loved Peacemaker. Oh, my God. That is going to turn John Cena into an even bigger star. Yeah, a guy that I do my podcast with on Tuesdays, Doug, he has been raving about that show. I haven't seen it, but I probably will check that out because I hear seen is like so, so the complete opposite on that show is like what you're used to seeing him as in like the WWE. So this sounds interesting to me. Yeah, I honestly, this season of Peacemaker, uh, it's the first season. I believe that this solidified him to me as the best pro wrestler turned actor as oh, far wow. as actual acting ability because wow. there are scenes where he cries there are scenes where he's dancing in his underwear there's scenes where he's having these like big arguments with his super racist father he pulls it all off so much better than you'd ever think if you just know him from the marine like 
you know, I love Batista as an actor too. I think he's actually a much more skilled actor than a lot of people realize if you really pay attention to his work. But The Rock is The Rock in everything. Right. So yeah. out of like those are the three big names to come out of pro wrestling and transition into acting. And I, I think Cena is at the top of the list for me now. I would say the bar is like kind of low because most oh, of very. guys. <laughs> Like I mean, Piper was good. Piper was very good in, in They Live, but he didn't. He his like full resume isn't uh, that big. He was great in Always Sunny as the maniac. True, yeah, like a recurring like, character on the, Yeah, yeah. Like P- Piper is up there. People, I don't think people forget about Piper and They Live, but and know, he was in a bunch like, of other movies too, like some smaller stuff. But I, I was looking at his filmography not that long ago, and I was like, oh, I've never heard of half these. Right. Like, like what I was getting is like. Nowadays, people just kind of know, like, okay, Cena, Batista, Rock, because they're doing these big budget films and stuff. And then other people might do some stuff, like John Morrison has done like smaller films. Um, you know, we've, we've reviewed a bunch of terrible it movies, did, all the did, WWE films. The Miz is in all the Marine oh, yeah. films. Did Kurt Angle's been in yeah, some stuff. Yeah, Kurt Angle is in a bunch of bad films. Um, For Morrison, like, did, did, did you watch that movie with him, like, wrestling a dog? No, I did not see. Oh, 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 I I didn't because I know you were reviewing bad movies for a while. There's a movie where John Morrison like wrestles like like a terrier dog in like the main (laughs) event of like this movie. It's so bad. Anyway, this this sounds horrible. Yeah. Like nowadays, a bunch of wrestlers are movies that are very good. Like Hogan was obviously the big first one. And Triple H tried. Yeah, Yeah. that was that was awful. The chaperone. Blade. Um, Blade. Blade. He had a very small part. Yeah, very small part in that. Uh, yeah. like Hogan did, you know, his he was Hulk Hogan in most of these films, and it was so bad, it was it was good type yeah. of thing when it comes to Hogan. Cena yeah, is like definitely three ninjas, yeah, <laughs> behind me in a mega mountain. Yeah, <laughs> Cena is definitely a guy that, like, I've seen most of his films, and it is just very much, I right, like he's kind of playing John Cena sort of stuff. Like, it, he was good, he was very good in train wreck, I thought he was tremendous in train wreck. Um, but I, I do want to watch Peacemaker because I've heard a lot of good things about it. So to, to for you to say that like he's now like the best wrestler turned actor, it's pretty yeah, low bar, but also like kind of high praise. Yeah, and it, it's I don't think you have to go watch the Suicide Squad movie that he was in first okay, necessarily, but it helps because it does pick up right after that movie. So there might be a few things where you're like, oh, well, why is, you know, he in a hospital? Like, it's <laughs> stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's all on HBO Max now. And I, I've i been preaching about this ever since it came out. The opening credits to that show, have you guys at least seen that floating mm-hmm. around? I've not no. seen anything from this oh, show. Oh, look it up. Uh, uh, just the opening credit sequence is John Cena and the entire cast dancing to a song in like a warehouse space. It's amazing. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Awesome. Yeah, I'll check it out. All right. We have to watch Peacemaker now, Jensen. <laughs> uh, Chris, where, Chris, where can the people find you at? Uh, other than on you know the BR app and and bleacherreport.com, the only social I really have is Twitter. So BR underscore doctor there. And uh I, I pop up on other people's podcasts a lot. I'm I'm still like gun shy about trying to ever start one myself, but um I was just like I said, I was with Kate on Tom Clark's 6M podcast, and then uh I did Ryan Dilbert's Flight of Five recently, and yeah. So I just tend to pop around. 
Chris, everyone check out his work at Bleacher Report. Follow him at BR Doctor. We appreciate you uh, joining us today, buddy. And, you know, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the wrestling that has come. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the interview. We'll be right back in just a We're back here on the spotlight. Appreciate Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report joining us. We found out that he is not an actual doctor, Steven Jensen. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Dr. Antle, as I said earlier. So. <laughs> Uh, yes, guys, we did – voice is completely gone again. We did touch on the Cesaro news. Sean has confirmed it. There is more on, on Fightful Select. Everyone go to Fightful Select and subscribe. Subscribe there. Give us all your money. And when you subscribe there, what can you do, Steven Jensen? You listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. That's what you can do. It's every Sunday talking the world of independent pro wrestling. We'll have a lot of GCW talk this weekend. We'll have a lot of IWTV talk this weekend. Speaking of IWTV – Use code Fight Talk F I G H T T A L K L is one word, no spaces. Put that in the promo code spot on IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. And that helps me out when you use that code. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, tonight I'll be at Terminus, so we will not be doing the Twitch stream that we normally do on Fightful Gaming. But every other Thursday, check that out. Myself and Joel Pearl playing Mario Kart. That's twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. And once again, if you're at Terminus tonight, please come by and say hi. It would uh it would make my night to uh to meet some people that are part of this fightful community to, if you're at the show. So um so yeah, just follow me on Twitter at fight talk underscore and I'll uh keep all my stuff updated there. Guys, everyone can head over to youtube.com slash fightful overbooked right now or just fightfuloverbooked.com. We have the the full on URL. Uh so you can go to fightfuloverbooked.com. Will Washington is live with uh, Jay Shell talking day after dynamite, reviewing last night's dynamite, talking all the news. The ratings are about to come out here pretty shortly. I think I think they're back on schedule after the holiday, so I'm sure they'll be getting into that. So plenty to talk about. Uh, you can message in there that Will and I have heat or don't have heat anymore, <laughs> but a lot of good stuff on on Fightful Overbooked. We got content dropping every single day tomorrow. Jensen will be back on on that channel with the Grassy Dudes with him and SP3. Before Degrassi Dudes, SP3 and I will be on there with Friday Morning Coffee, talking basketball and a lot of other non-wrestling stuff. Joel Pearl is always doing stuff. Kate <clears throat> Kate is on there kicking Joel Pearl's ass uh, in Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong or, or Why You're Wrong. I don't know the names of most of these shows. Joel, what are the names of these shows? So Bad It's Good is on there with Joel and Josh Robinson. Tim and Joel. Tim and Joel Pod is on there as well. A lot of different stuff going up with there. Uh, some guy named Lambs. Is, is dropping scoops over on, on Fightful Overbooked. I've never seen this man in my life. I don't know who this man – here's why you're wrong is what it's called. I've um, heard about that guy, Lambs. I've heard about yeah, him. Yeah. He's causing trouble. He's causing trouble, Lambs is. Uh, but he's got a lot of good scoops from what I hear. So everyone can can go over there and uh, check out check out that show. Uh, guys, we appreciate all the support. Jensen and I will be back next week. New episode of The Spotlight. We'll, we'll talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling. We appreciate you guys. We'll talk to y'all next week. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.